Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hey everybody it's word balloon and john suntress a couple show notes before we get started questions or comments about the show john at wordballoon.com is my email address you may want to scroll down because you might have missed a couple great episodes from the last week or so. People like Tim Seeley, Wonder Woman, Susan Eisenberg from Justice League Unlimited, Frank Conniff from Mystery Science Theater 3000, my buddy Steve Bryant has a Kickstarter on a crime comic, The Catch. A new Bendis tapes is in there. Also, my buddy Julianne Emery, the actress, talks about the new season of Bosch debuting Friday on Amazon Prime. Also, Declan Shelby and my buddy DC publicist, editor, and First Comics, Mike Gold, a great two-parter about the Bronze Age. I hope you'll check those all out. And as always, thank you very much for listening to the show all the way through. Thank you for listening to the commercials. It's one of the ways that I get paid. Uh, There might be one more commercial before we start the show. If there is, hang in there, and we'll be back in a few seconds with more great Word Balloon programming. Thanks for your attention. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. I think I'm calling these episodes Deep Dives. Because uh, me and Tom King and Mike Cronenberg had an intense conversation about a couple subjects. First of all, Columbo. We love Columbo. Peter Falk, the great detective show from the 70s, the NBC show that later became a series of uh, movies on ABC in the 90s. Uh, You know, we we really focus on the 70s shows because those are the best episodes. Star-studded, great ideas, funny villains, interesting plots. We love Columbo. We also talk about Masters of Comic Book Art, the documentary that uh, Ken Viola and I spoke about on our last episode, and uh, that was a great discussion as well. Uh, We streamed this live last night on Facebook. I thought it was going on YouTube as well. I'll be posting the uh, YouTube version of uh, our conversation uh, later today. But I wanted to give you uh, this great discussion if you missed it last night on Facebook. Uh, It was fun. A lot of people uh, chimed in with questions. And uh, we just had this nice little rambling conversation. And I think if we do this in the future, not only with Tom and Mike, but any sort of just kind of general uh, yak session about a subject, we're going to call that Deep Dives from now on. So we deep dive Columbo and the Masters of Comic Book Art. Tangents, as always, are welcome. And certainly we get into them, whether it's the Twilight Zone, a lot of comic book talk. Uh, Jim Aparo apparently um, put Columbo in a, a quick segment of uh, an adventure uh, comic that featured the Spectre, and we get into a little Spectre talk of the 70s, Mike Fleischer's uh, wonderful run. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. It's a usual pop culture mess, and uh, it was a lot of fun with uh, Mike Cronenberg and Tom King 
for a couple hours. A good deep dive. I think it'll distract you for a while if you like these subjects. All on today's Word Balloon. Brought to you by my friends, the League of Word Balloon listeners, all with their domino masks and capes firmly in place, uh, saving me and helping out, uh, sponsoring the show. It means a lot. You might hear uh, Tom and Mike uh, extol the virtues of uh, Word Balloon, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, Word Balloon is free, but if you can and want to help the cause out, go to patreon.com slash Word Balloon. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by Aftershock Comics, and uh, they're doing what they can uh, during uh, this hiatus in comic book production, reminding you to talk to your local comic book shop, see if they have Aftershock uh, comic books in their store. It's a great time to pick up an Aftershock graphic novel or collected trade of great titles like Animosity from Marguerite Bennett and also uh, things like Baby Teeth with Donnie Cates or uh, Dark Red with Tim Seeley, Cullen Bunce and Wando's Dark Ark. So many great stories uh, with the Aftershock title and great graphic novels as well. Witch Hunter from Colin Bunn. Lots of books from Garth Ennis, Paul Jenkins, even American Monster from Brian Azzarello. All bear the Aftershock title and deserve your attention. Go to their website. You'll find full story descriptions, preview art pages at AftershockComics.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into it now. A great conversation. Uh, Mike Sponafides, if you don't already know, uh, he works with Noir City Magazine with Eddie Muller. He uh, also is uh, a big part of Tomorrow's, does a lot of graphic design on a lot of the Tomorrow's covers, and uh, is a very uh, deep-dive uh, comic book guy. He did a great uh, book for Tomorrow's called The Batcave Companion with Mike Yuri, uh, focusing on the Batman creators of the 60s and 70s. And we talk a lot about Batman creators during this discussion, but we also talk a lot about Columbo and uh, go off on a various tangents of other television shows like The Twilight Zone. Wild Wild West comes up in the conversation. And uh, we look back at Ken Viola's comic book documentary, Masters of Comic Book Art. Uh, it's uh, a fun conversation, and I think you'll enjoy it and be entertained by it. So here now are Mike Cronenberg and Tom King on today's yeah. Word Balloon. All right, we're live. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Word Balloon Live Streaming. John Suntress here. I am very happy to welcome Noir City Art Director, Mike Cronenberg. Uh, Mike, it's a pleasure as always. And of course, uh, what's your title at Ringside Seat? I am the Art Director, Associate Editor, and I am the Founder of Ringside Seat. My favorite uh, boxing magazine of the Thanks, moment John. right now. Absolutely, man. Great to see you. While we're waiting for Tom King, we're going to have some uh, comic book documentary talk. We're going to be talking about the Masters of Comic Book Art, 1987 documentary amazing documentary it's on youtube i hope everyone has had a chance to uh watch and uh, see it on uh on uh, youtube before our conversation if not by all means watch it afterwards uh it's worth uh, your time and i have some notes on that but while it's just me and mike um we should talk about our uh, favorite sport that's on hold right now and that's of course the sweet science of boxing um we were just talking off the air and i was telling you that i uh I've been taking advantage of YouTube's vast library of not only the obvious, but really like, you know, some of the hidden gems. And I was telling you guys like uh, Cornelius Bosa Edwards, and all of a sudden you you brightened up because it reminded you of uh, Bosa Edwards' opponent. Yeah, Bobby Chacon. Um, today, I was we're working on finishing up the latest issue of Ringside Seat, and the back page of uh, Ringside Seat is always dedicated to like a great action fighter. We call it crowd pleasers. And this month, my editor, uh, Bill Dett, off-picked Bobby Chacon. And 
you mentioned Boza Edwards and it was like just I had just been five minutes before designing the page and linking up to the Bobby Chacon Boza Edwards fight, which is a classic. It was uh, I think it was the ring fight of the year in 1983. Wow. Excellent, man. Uh, big, big uh, West Coast fighter, Bobby Chacon. Right. And a great uh, L.A. Forum crowd pleaser, as I recall. Right. Yeah, I think Excellent. also um, uh, the Olympic, too. Of course, the, the Olympic. Olympic. There's our oh, there's there our, uh, our third body, everybody. Uh, he's joining us now, and I hope I don't. My head's so big. <laughs> are we live now? <laughs> we are live now. Okay. Do you need to go to the bathroom or something like that before we start? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm okay. All right, excellent. Put in my headphones. Welcome, Tom King. Oh, I can. My son is running out in his boxers. He's not on YouTube. That's God bless him. That's cool. He went hunting for my book. Which book? Ah, there you go. Oh. Great. I was just talking about that book. I don't know if you saw my tweet today, and we will get into our main conversation uh, shortly. In my office, but uh, did, did did it chew up my uh, my Colombo uh, thing? Um, anyway, I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, I, I Nicole Williamson uh, about his uh, fine uh, Colombo episode um, in that book is like, yeah, I don't remember it at all. And it's like Jesus, that was an amazing performance when he was the bad guy. Really? Doesn't remember it? Yes, but, remember. you know, so many of those, you, you talk to so many of those guys who were veterans of so many I'm events, still writing down my choices. And they right. um, and they don't remember. Th- these guys don't remember. You walk up to them. I saw, I've seen, like, actors, like horror movie actors and, oh, yeah. and different people at um, conventions, and I'll talk to them. Or we interviewed them in the horror movie magazine I did or in Noir City. And you talk to them about like some TV episode that you remember as a kid. You was like, you love it. It's your favorite. And it's like, I you think I was on that. I cannot remember exactly. I have no remembrance of the details of that. Yes, I did that. So. Well, it was like five days in their life, you know, 30 years ago, sometimes right. even longer. I mean, no, I get it and everything. Uh, Mark uh, Leferrier, I want to point out, points out that Bobby Chacon was name-checked in a Warren Zevon song about Bubo Mancini called cool. uh, Hurry on Home. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So we had to we had to get a little uh, we had to get a little bit of our uh, a boxing talk in a little bit, Tom. Before we all we were waiting for you, but you you talk the boxing. I am here as a guest. You guys are experts. (laughs) I consider you both to be my pop culture gurus. You do not let me down. (laughs) Are we are we also podcasting now too? Well, we're recording this for the audio podcast, um, but we are live streaming on uh, my YouTube channel, and we're also live streaming on Facebook on my YouTube or Facebook page there. John Sutras. John, I've been doing nothing but listening to your podcast. It's ridiculous what a fanboy I am of yours now in this coronavirus time. I literally I, just I you listen to tons of podcasts. Now I only listen to you. I just hear my ear. I was listening to Howard Chaikin an hour ago and yelling at my radio. I was so mad at everything he was saying. And I loved it. I loved it. God bless him. We need our cranks. Oh my God, he's the man! I love Howard. You, you know what? What's funny is, is I was looking when I, when I found that image of of Columbo by Aparo in that Adventures comic, Adventure uh, Adventure comics from Spectre. The backstory of that issue is a Howard Chaikin illustrated Seven Soldiers story from like it's like 1974. It's like one of his first works. Really? Yep. Oh, fascinating. He was so pissed off in that thing. I'm still doing my thing, so I don't get it. I'm, I think I'm going to get the titles wrong. So. Wait, I've got I've got my 15. 
Okay, I've got oh, my fuck 15 you your choices. Chewy, I I wanna, do you guys no. want to start? All right, obviously, I, everyone, you're itching to talk Columbus, so let's, let's talk Columbus. I started first, this thing. I'm doing my 15 now. I, can, I, I watched the I'm documentary my, twice. All right, you're doing your 15 now. Good. I can judge you. No but problem. Yeah, I, my, I feel our top well, five is going to be. Not, I, I took, I took one bad one in my top five just so it wouldn't be on your top five. Uh, real fast, John Soares. Uh, yes, the YouTube feed is live. So, yeah, you can either watch it if you're watching it on Facebook, or you can go to my Word Balloon YouTube page. And it is uh, streaming at both uh, platforms. The beauty of StreamYards, ladies and gentlemen. I learned that from uh, my dear uh, YouTuber buddy, Robert Meyer Burnett, my favorite Trek expert myself. But uh, we're here to talk about Masters of Comic Book Art. We'll talk about that later. 1987 documentary. Ken Viola made it. It was amazing. And we'll get into that. But it seems like our, our boys are uh, itching to talk Colombo, and I'm happy to start off with Colombo. So. I'm, appro- I'm appropriately – look at this. I've got a cigar. Are, John, yeah, sure. Right but okay. it's too thick. It's too thick. It's not the thinner. <laughs> not, if, uh, not if Jose Ferrer is the bad guy. Then it's a, then it's the proper size for the Jose <laughs> Ferrer <laughs> episode. One of my favorite episodes as well, by the way. So. That is <laughs> Yeah, no, he was he was great in that one. But he was dumb um, as a brick. The whole clue is the the, the murderer smoked a cigar. He's like right in his fucking face, just smoking the cigar. <laughs> and that was one of the clues. That was one of the clues. It's yeah. the match, sir. Well, match, he killed match, and match then only lit, lit up. by a cigar smoker, sir. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I'll be breaking into Peter Falk the entire evening. Feel so free we're to we're on. not we are avoiding completely avoiding a- the ABC episodes, right? I, I, we will talk about the ABC episodes Why? because I understand exactly. I understand your hate of them, Mike. We've talked about this before in private conversation or on YouTube or on Twitter, I should say. Um, uh, you know, well, I'll say real fast. I forgive the ABC TV movies because, much like Star Trek Picard, it was great to see Peter Falk walking around in the raincoat again. I, I'm, I, I, of course, they're ten cuts below all the classic NBC. But that last, I feel like that lasts for like all of five minutes to see him again and he's just so um he's so over the top he's almost become the cartoon you know the cartoon version of 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 Columbo. i don't I disagree just, i don't i like the one with uh fisher stevens where that, he's kind that of a one, Spielberg. yeah where he's the stevens do you know my brother and fisher stevens are friends and cool. they did a play together oh wow just crazy yeah that is crazy I'm a big fan. Uh, Great character actor. That's actually one of the good ones. The McGowan one, the Patrick McGowan one that he directed. That was a good one. I think he won the Emmy for that. He won two Emmys. He won an Emmy for directing the one with where he's the spy, the the CIA guy. And that was going to be one of my favorites of the classic run. Absolutely. Really? I do not like that one. I I didn't have that. That's not on my list. That's not the McGowan. Well, there are better McGowan. There is a better McGowan one, of course, and I'm sure it'll come up, but go on. Um, all right, I'm doing my list. All right. <laughs> wait, I, wait, I have to say uh, one thing at the top, just for the people to talk. If if you are listening to this and you are not subscribed to the Patreon, you're a fucking idiot. Ah. Because hey, jo- John is working triple time to put out product. I know you're you're listening to this podcast. You're a comic book fan. That means you pay four bucks for a comic book. Maybe you pay four bucks for my comic book. Don't buy my comic book. I'm telling you. Keep <laughs> strange adventures, get the trade, whatever, and 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 give John and and four bucks a month. Oh, that's all that is. Four uh, one, uh, one comic book a month. Just do yes. that. Ditto. I agree. Do it right now. Well, these are my friends, and that's and seriously, man, that's really nice, and it would be great. Patreon.com slash word But honestly, I've been saying it all month and I mean it. There are a lot more people that are out of work right now. 
It's a tough time. Please don't spend money you don't have. It's 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 word balloon is free oh, for a reason. No, I'm still money. Yes, yeah, I'm <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I'm still growing the audience. If you can spare it, if you can spare even a buck a month, that's great. So thank you very much for saying that. Honestly, Tom, that that means a lot. And then right. same with you, Mike. I mean, really. But I, I'm, I, you know, I'm happy to do this. I feel like it's the least I can do right now is triple up on shows to give us something to distract ourselves. And no, have fun. Yeah, that's we, one of the reasons we, why we're doing this. Yeah, we were talking about that before before you, you went live. It's just uh, you're doing a service oh, that's for nice. everybody, <laughs> for pop culture people. 100%, 100%. You know, it's, it's a service for pop culture because we need an escape really bad. Really I, to- I totally agree. Now, while Mike starts giving us the list, he found a gem of a uh, comic book sequence. So it kind of ties both subjects here. Uh, Tom, some Jim Aparo art depicting Columbo. Jim Aparo Columbo? From yeah. Adventure Comics. There it is. <laughs> oh, excuse me, Adventure Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that was the Spectre. That was the Michael Fleischer um, Aparo Fle- uh, Spectre run. There you go. That you know which uh, you know which issue that was that was the one with the Symbionese Liberation Army, where they kidnapped that woman. Just that was when the SLA had kidnapped uh, Patty, Patty Hearst. Hurst. Yeah. So yeah. Fleischer decided to write about that. Wow. So this, okay. is, this is when they're about to rob the bank, like with like Patty Hearst. And this is really the seminal Spectre run of the seventies. I mean, this was. I, I, am I right, Mike? Wasn't it alternating with Aquaman? No, it didn't alternate with Aquaman. It ran, and then Aquaman was a, at first a backup story with Mike Grell doing the art and Paul Levitz writing it, and then um, then it took over after like I think it was two years. It may have been two years or a year and a half of bi-monthly issues. Um, and I, but of course, but of course, we we talked about Harlan Ellison. There's a link to the to the documentary because of Michael Fleischer and Harlan Ellison. And Tell the, the whole, story, Mike. Tell well, it. the whole lawsuit because because in <laughs> Comics Journal, when yeah. um, uh, Ellison was interviewed, I think it was Gary Groth. Yeah, it was Gary. Yeah, it was Gary Groth. Yeah. And um, yeah, Ellison just went off about how how much he hated that uh, entire run and the way Fleischer depicted the the uh, no, Spectre no. killing. It wasn't he hated it. It was how much he loved it. What, oh, was it? I thought it was how much he couldn't stand how how he used the how how violent it was. No, it was he was he said like comics aren't surprising anymore. Except I love Flasher stuff because he's a crazy psycho killer. Yeah, he said like and, bug bug nut crazy oh, or right. something like that. Yeah, crazy. that's right. He and called him a psychopath. He right. said he killed his girlfriend and mounted her body in his closet. That's <laughs> he's like it's well known. He killed his girlfriend, mounted his body in his closet, has her bones in the closet. <laughs> As no. Everybody knows that. So that, I mean, those are the kind of at least he's taking risks. It was he meant it as a compliment. Well, yeah, and obviously it was still over the top. Oh, like, yeah, but that lawsuit went on for years. Yeah, it, 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 it was dragging on. Now, when I was a kid, I was just a little kid when I picked that up, and it's like I don't know if it was like this noir sensibility or this like uh, sick sensibility that I had, but man, I loved it. You know, because it had more of that pulp sensibility. That um, I guess that Adams and O'Neill brought to Batman, so it was like all of a sudden you see that brought to the Spectre because when Neil was doing the Spectre, you know, it was much more of a science fiction um, kind of otherworldly uh, type of thing. Hundred um, percent. But uh, the whole idea of um, 
Jim Corrigan being the detective and he's got the cigarette and he's got the trench coat on and um, man, I love that. I still, love, I still love that series. But you guys, anyways, did I you guys? That- uh, no, no, no. We got to stay on that for a second. Did you guys ever see that uh, DC show, showcase short of Jim Corrigan Specter? And it was totally of that period. Steve Niles wrote it, and yeah. it was j- just fantastic. I, I never saw that. that it's excellent. Really I don't know if it's on uh, DC Universe or not, or where you know if it's not. And I wonder, or I wonder if illegally it's on you know YouTube or something like that. Uh, but uh, oh, okay. Bill Bill DeSimone says, "Yeah, bug fuck crazy." I wasn't sure if it was bug nuts <laughs> okay. or bug fuck. Yeah, we can swear; it's cool, you know. So too much, man. And yeah. to, to tie that back, so Dan DiDio, who was the head of DC Comics, yes, I know. I'm very sorry. Go on. Yes, until ju- until God, it seems like a year ago, but it was eight weeks ago or something. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? It was like eight weeks ago. He is a huge Columbo. Columbo is his nerd. Like when he is just sitting around the house doing nothing, you put Columbo. <laughs> and so when I started getting in, into into Columbo because of John and Mike, uh, I started talking to him about it and found this out. And so we were talking about me doing a Phantom Stranger series, and I was slowly massaging into pitching it just as a as like a each issue was like 50 pages like a Columbo episode we see a, a superhero commit a crime at the beginning and the phantom stranger slowly kind of i was trying to do the Columbo format that's and great they were slowly developed because like, that, that creators do we just rip off the things we like i was like i like this i want it to happen well, that's great and you know phantom stranger was the the lead in adventure comics before the specter and it was a paro drawing him yeah, beautifully great stuff man no i love i love the phantom stranger i love i love the specter and uh i would love to see the phantom stranger he would have to rumple the cape of course and then you know i just have one more question sir i don't nice. need to ask you that's an adam that's one of the adams covers man yeah. he did some amazing covers for phantom stranger yeah. do, you, do you guys know the story he didn't go to comic-con until really like near the end of his life and it was amazing his first comic-con he was literally brought to tears when they introduced him and there was a standing ovation for him. He never, he never knew how much we all loved him and how much we all loved his art. And I just think that's so beautiful. And also I should point out Neil Adams, who is, you know, his own best fan, biggest fan. And that's okay because he can back it up with the work. But all that said, I made the mistake in my first interview with him. uh, And I said, you know, a lot of the other artists of the seventies seem to ape your style of Batman. And I said, you know, among them, Jim Apparel. And he said, Oh no, Oh no, not at all. No, no, no. Jim was always his own man. And that's nice, but you're incorrect. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I'm glad well, he when said I that. Wrote in, in Batcave companion, you know, Apparel talks about how he was influenced by Neil Adams. Interesting. He was influenced by Neil Adams doing Batman. He said that was the, the, the thing that drew him into wanting to even, changed the way he he thought he was going to do batman so when he saw adam's stuff which was what this is you're talking about 1970 you know um <clears throat> so yeah it's funny because because apparel definitely said that he he was influenced by adams for his for, for batman at least do you you know my and mike i'm glad you mentioned the batcave companion because it's a great book by two morrows that uh, you and mike yuri did mike did the 60s uh, batman creators you did the 70s right. batman creators do you um did you do those interviews? Did you rec- did you audio record those? I mean, how did you do them? Just uh, yeah, no, I, I audio recorded them. But they're gone now. They, were they are gone. On uh, sure, you know, I, I I interviewed. I went to continuity and spent two days with Neil, which was like I did it on my birthday. 
<laughs> Let me oh, guess. Awesome. It's not planned. You, you asked one question. And it was two days. <laughs> yeah, that's God bless him, man. That's hate. I'm telling you, my my. But, but listen to this. So great. I'm sitting there in Continuity Studios. It's my birthday, which it wasn't planned that way. And I'm up there in Continuity, and he's sitting there working on um, his his ad comps, you know, his advertising comps, and I'm sitting here talking to him about Batman about batman comics it's like you know the eight-year-old me is like going nuts and he's sitting there buying lunch for me you know and 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 talking about talking about batman with me it was crazy and with o'neill i i had a long interview out of like a two or three hour interview with uh with denny o'neill and that was over the phone that was great um but i don't have that anymore len ween also Sure. Steve Englehart. Uh, 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 terrific. I, I had, had Steve a, on early on, and we, we talked about man, definitely. Yeah, I, now I talked to him like three times. I interviewed him about Captain America's Captain America run. I interviewed him about um, Detective Comics. And then I interviewed him about the secret adult Marshall Rogers, Steve Englehart Batman comic that was supposed to be for Star Reach Comics that I wrote an article about in, 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 um, in Back Issue. Uh, they were supposed to do this adult, mature... Uh, comic that was going to sure. be the sequel to the detective run and oh, the original it, laughing fish story or yes yeah um and it was going to all take place on a dirigible on this zep on this this blimp that gotham city rich were on and the and the penguin like takes it over you know and anyway so so, awesome. so yeah, like it, for star reach would they change yeah, so here's, here's what happens. I, I saw it as a kid in Comics Journal. When I was a kid, I saw it announced in Comics Journal. It said, because I was obsessed with, with the Rogers, uh, Austin, and, and Englehart series when it came out because comics weren't that great right then, especially DC. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was bad. Marvel had great stuff. I mean, I was a Marvel, I was always a Marvel, I was always a Marvel guy, but DC, there just weren't that many great comics, but that was fantastic. So, saw that. And um, I was wondering about it. And I talked to Michael Yuri and I said, you know, he has a special section like um, that comes up in the magazine. It's like, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Something like comics that never were or something along those lines. And I said, I want to look into um, doing this thing about this project that fell through. So anyways, what it was that um, Star Reach... Uh, the guy who did Star Reach, the editor of Star Reach, um, Michael, um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Friedrich or no? Michael Friedrich, who okay. I also interviewed um, for, for Batcave Companion. <laughs> um, he wrote a letter to DC talking about how great the Englehart Rogers Austin series was and how it revived, you know, Batman, you know, and revived kind of like his faith in comic books again. <laughs> and he was doing he was doing Star Reach at the time. And Steve Englehart reached out to him and said, hey, what if we did, um, you know, this Batman series in Star Reach, no comics code, you know? And uh, so they got together and they actually got permission from Paul Levitz. And Levitz said, really? The reason he said that they were going to allow it was because Star Reach had such a a low circulation (laughs) that they felt it it wouldn't do anything to impede the image of Batman so they could do this mature thing. Wow. And um, this is the first bat dick. Exactly. (laughs) Really. Um, And 
the whole thing fell through because Starwich was black and white. You know, like Jim Starlin was in Starwich, yeah, Howard Shaken yeah. was in Starwich. Yeah. But Mike didn't have the production, didn't have the, the money to go ahead and produce color comics. Sure. It was going to have to be in black and white. And Marshall Rogers insisted that it be in color. He said he wouldn't do it unless it was in color. <sighs> and I know Mike said to me, because I then reached out to Mike for this article that I wrote for Back Issue. I, I talked to Steve and then I talked to Mike again. And Mike said it was like one of the biggest regrets he ever had. He said, I was stupid. He said, I could have taken out a loan. He said, it would have been a huge hit. I would have gotten a lot of press. He said, Star Reach would have done great after that. And all these people would have, all these other comic creators would have wanted it to be in Star Reach. So um, anyways, it's an interesting article because uh, it actually, some of the ideas that Marshall had for that um, became like this, uh, Pacific Comics portfolio of art that he did called Strange. Have you ever heard of that or seen no, that? No, but I no. used to love those portfolios. Go on. That portfolio, and I, I, we reproduced it in back issues. Some of the, some of the images from it, because that was Steve who told me that. Um, uh, were the concepts, some of the concepts that he had, and he just kind of changed it to, to like not be Batman. Sure. Um, that's Anyways, I thought I thought that would have been that would have been great. But Marshall Marshall, of course, died before I could interview him. I had a scheduled interview with him, yeah. um, and um, he died like a week before the interview. And I was friends with Marshall because he lived in Silver Spring. I lived in Alexandria, and he lived in Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was um, he was working for video games. He was doing video games at the time. This is like the late eighties. So I knew him back then, and I. How, how did he get sick? Like, what what problem? He had a heart attack. He was a chain oh. smoker, and he had a heart attack, and he 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 dropped dead from a heart attack. Oh, jeez. Uh, he smoked like crazy. I mean, it was just. He, I mean, he he was literally a chain smoker. But, um, Terry Austin came to the rescue because Terry Austin. I, I reached out to him, and Terry was fantastic, and he gave me all this really great personal information and. He was able to connect me with Marshall's son, Marshall's adopted son, so that I kind of became friends with uh, with his son. That's awesome. Is is the Batcave Companion? Is it still available from yeah. Tomorrow's? Yep. There you go. Tomorrow's kids. Amazon, but Tomorrow's more money goes to Tomorrow's if you buy it from Tomorrow's. Go to the website, yeah, man, and uh, you know you could buy it. I'm assuming maybe you could buy it digitally. I'm not sure because I know they do it with their magazines, certainly. So. I don't and know it, if it's. A, I don't think. I don't think Batcave is digital. Okay. I don't think there's a digital version of that. Well, I, it's, I bought a ton of tomorrow just today because you sent out that link, Michael. I just wanted. Yeah. Just once. I wanted a spending spree. Super oh, easy did, website. Oh, cool! Did you get great the, website? Did, did you get the new books. book, the uh, the World of Tomorrow's book? Yep, I got that one. Oh, I'm gonna have to get that. Yeah, that's a that's great good book. to know. Uh, those guys, uh, John has always been incredibly kind to me. Uh, years ago, uh, Eric Houston wrote uh the podcast the comic book podcast companion and uh this was in oh, 2006 yeah. or 7 and i'm chapter 2 which is very <laughs> john john who's you know, chapter they, 1 they around comics to... another chicago podcast they were oh, john, i'm one. doing that podcast next week john they asked me to design that book did and you did what a small world what a small i turned i was going to say mike uh, i turned and, them down well uh, uh, we could have used your layout uh, work <laughs> on that honestly i mean it's it's fine and i'm i am proud to be in a two hours publication it blows my mind that i was i don't even know if that's still around or not it's so out of date now it's ridiculous again it was made in 2000 
six. Uh, Comic Geek Speak is in there. I'm in there. There's a I fraction interview about as a creator what he thinks of comic book podcasts. Um, I'm trying okay. to remember yeah, the other shows. A document now. Huh? Yeah, I suppose. Well, the ones in the middle, I remember iFanboy, Augie's show. Uh, iFanboy's in there, absolutely. I don't remember if Augie's in there or not. I hope he is. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't remember, but you're right. iFanboy is in there. So it was, um, Maybe um, uh, Indie Spinner Rack? Yeah, Indie Spinner Rack. Charlie and Mr. Phil. Great show from back then, you know? And I and, and what became 11 O'Clock Comics? They did a Marvel podcast way back in the day. Oh, right. Right. Yes, Jason Wood and uh, David Price, and I don't know, remember if Vince was on the show yet or not. Yeah, way back in the day. That's so funny. You're right. Uh, so yeah, there, there you go, man. So there's my there's my tomorrow's connection to to Mike, of course, and then we have our boxing love to uh, to keep us warm, and our Columbo love That's as right. well. That's right. So um, and our film noir love, right? And our and indeed noir. our film noir love. You guys like all the best things. That's it's true, true, man. Wonderful That's people. That's right. Taste. I'm gonna I interview. Am- I'm interviewing this guy for the next issue of North City. Who you interview? That's enough. Oh, Tom. Yeah. Are you interviewing Tom for New York City? I am. am. Yeah, I got another another top five list. Like I got enough. All I do is watch. Oh yeah, yeah. Not only am I interviewing him, but he's coming up with his five favorite noirs. Excellent. Hey, that's great. That's outstanding, man. It's hard. It's legit hard. Yeah. Yeah. To narrow it to five. Well, again, like the Columbo list, it's it's really really hard. So I love this tangent. I think all of this was fantastic. Mike, you are about to uh, give us your uh, Columbo list. So, how does this work with overlaps? Am I supposed to raise my hand and be like, "I've got that too"? No, we can, we can, we can. No, move on. I, I mean, just wanted to, you know what? I had notes with them, and I thought we could just like run with some of this stuff, and you guys could just talk about it because some of the stuff I picked out for specific reasons, not necessarily just because I, I really like the episodes, but because there's like like Columbo villains, the times that a villain tried to kill Columbo, which is only three times. Which is um, insane. That was my number one rule of Columbo. Kill Columbo. Yeah, right. Well, three tried to uh, unsuccessfully. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna my number one, my top. Oh, so you're going top down. Well, I'm just no. I, I'm gonna. This Let's gonna case in case of order. this list. <laughs> it's gonna be chronological order, but my my favorite first. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Now you see him with Jack Cassidy, where he's the magician, the Nazi magician. It's the That's best on one. my list. On my list, yeah, yeah okay. it's the best okay. one, man. Okay, my favorite because Jack Cassidy, number one. Number two, he's an escape artist. Okay, that was how I became friends with Storeco. It was like because <laughs> I loved Stere- escape artists, and it was like there's he's the escape artist. So um, he's an escape artist slash magician slash mind reader. He's every kind of magician. He's 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 everything. Well, you know, Storeco did that stupid mind reading thing too. I believe you know, he did all that shit. You know, he, sure. did the, he he was the guy who laid on the bed of nails, you know, at the carnival too. Did all that crazy shit. <laughs> By the way, another reason why I love that episode. Two reasons: they use Henry Mancini's charade, right. which is perfect for that right, right. episode. And also, um, Nehemiah Persoff is the victim. Nehemiah Persoff's fantastic. You're talking about one of the guy. great film noir, you know, character actors. You know, yep. Persoff, Twilight He's Zone, fantastic. everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, his Twilight his Twilight Zones. You know, my brother wrote an article for Noir City about the noir Twilight Zones, Ooh. and they featured two Nehemiah Persoff episodes in that. Hmm. Okay, so there's the one on where he's the on the ship, and he's the Nazi. Uh, he's the captain. Nazi on the ship, right? And then I'm trying. What was the other name? The other one. I got. I, I have to try to think about it. I okay. And I'm gonna. I want to guess some of the other noir uh, Twilight zones. Was it Dead well, Man's Shoes? Was that one of the noirs? The, well, the one where the um, 
the woman is I'm going to study Columbus. at at the okay. so at, yes you're right we, we're getting off track we are getting off track we're, we're right. getting off track I, I'm going to go back in Twilight Zone study for this but I only got like five in I knew it would go this way okay all right I'm 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 going to start all right again go on so now you see him number one for me but okay. I have a problem okay. I have one problem with that episode having Tell me. I, oh how about the end of that one though how great it is the way Columbo just like pulls out all of the all yeah, of the letters, letters you know. And it, it, everybody's pulling out the letters. You know, Jack Cassidy pulls he pulls out the letter, and Jack Cassidy lights it on yeah, fire. And then... Did Cassidy do his own? There were a lot of magic tricks where it seemed like it was one take where they didn't cut away. It said when really... I when I was reading the notes about that episode, it said that he had learned some of the things, like he had learned some things for that. But was it filmed said. at the Magic Castle in uh, California? I don't know. Okay, don't know. and and another thing, uh, one of my favorite things about Columbo, things that trip up the villains that are uh, no longer, you know, part of today's society. And one of them being an electric typewriter ribbon, right. which, which has the evidence on it. Yeah. Right. Sorry, sir. It was on your computer. <laughs> I didn't have a chance to look at it. So I don't know. How okay. The what's the did. problem you have? With this the is episode. my problem from a storyteller's point of view. Um, the, the way they solve the crime is genius, right? It's the typewriter thing, but that's dependent on the fact that the victim is typing up the letter at the time of his death. But there's no reason for him to be typing up that letter at the time of his death because the one scene they have, the blackmail scene beforehand, um, Santini agrees to be blackmailed. He said, fine, you can have 50% of my income. So there's, it's a complete coincidence that he kills him at the exact time that he's writing. But what, if, what if he's doing it as a backup? You know, he's right, going to write the letter and he's going to have the letter and he's going to keep it in his safe or, or whatever. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, but that's, it's, it's a coincidental thing. If, it, if he had said to him, that's it, man, like um, like another episode I'm sure we're talking about, like seven Columbo episodes, he's like, this blackmail's over tonight, tonight, I'm going to send it in, which is the worst thing you can say to a person on Columbo. Right, right. <laughs> if he had said that, that would have made more sense that he was going back at the moment he was writing the letter, but it just happened to be coincidence that he arrived at the exact time that he was writing the letter that was about him. I don't like that one coincidence part of it. I feel like that's the one part I don't like. But besides that, perfection. Yeah, I, lo- I love that episode. You're killing no, me. Mean, it's, 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 the, it's the Nazi thing. It's the magician thing. You know, it's like the Nazi hiding, and Columbo's got to find the Nazi hiding. You know, he gets the Nazi hiding. The Nazi, and all the um, accents the guy does. And, yeah, that was great. That's oh. a great, in, the, in the restaurant where he's where, the where restaurant, he's. Where yeah. he's oh. And that old guy that knows everything about Santini. Yeah. yeah, he's at the rooming house. He goes to the rooming house. The guy's got a hot plate, and, yeah. and Columbo's complimenting the hot yeah, plate. Columbus, That's terrific. I love that. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> that actor was like the head of the Screen Actors Guild or something like that. That you know actor is a recurring guy in right. Columbo. He shows up in like 10 episodes. Really? I didn't know. Yep. And Robert Loja's in it. Robert, Robert Loja, yes. Yeah. Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> I love Robert Loja. I love T.H.E. Cat is his wonderful That's a great old show. movie. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was a show. It was, a sitcom, was, or it was yeah. an adventure show. That's right. That's right. That's when he was like a leading man. Yep. I know. Can you imagine? Then he, I used then to be he... good looking. Now I'm Robert Lotion. <laughs> now I'm Robert Lotion. <laughs> so next I'm number. Okay. Okay. All right, all right. So I this is great. I, I might agree. It's my favorite episode of all time. I, I, it's mine. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I, all I, right. Well, then we're in agreement. That's great. I mean, that's okay. the thing, man. I know. That's why when we were even talking about it, it's like, oh, shit, we're going to have the same shit on this list. <laughs> okay. Murder by the book. 
Okay, I want to include that because it's the first true TV episode. Because the first two were actually TV movies. That's right. This is I the first true TV episode that. directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Steven Bochco. And it's about writers, which is like a continuing theme throughout Columbo is writers, you know? Mystery it's pub Publisher Parish and then Try and Catch Me, which I want to talk about later, which Absolutely. is one of my favorites. But Murder by the Book, yeah, it's uh, Martin Miller and uh, and uh, Jack Cassidy again. Right, yep. Jack Basically Cassidy. a parody of uh, Levinson and Link, the Columbo creators in some respects. Right, right. Say. And they actually didn't write that one. I thought maybe they had written it, but Stephen Bochco wrote that episode. That's awesome. And that, that's one the of opening, the, the best opening. Oh, here. yeah, that has he's driving. Writer, he did, they take out the music. Oh. Yep. And they just do these in there. They just so drive around and just the typing, typing, typing. The club has the best openings of any show ever where to just throw his name up in the middle of a dramatic thing. Like everything's going on. They just throw up Columbo. It's just, it's just, now, I remember when they used to be on when, when the show was on and it was part of the Sunday mystery movie. That's right. Was the, was the shuttling mystery movie. So what you had was the opening was an indiscriminate guy in the dark with a flashlight. And you had this, I, this, you had this whistling theme, yeah. And the flashlight would shine, and the, and it would shine an image of Peter Falk as Columbo, or McMillan and wife, or Heck Ramsey, or McLeod, or, or McLeod, which I'm or on. another one, a lost one that's on YouTube, Dang. the Snoop Sisters oh, with Snoop Helen Hayes Sisters. and yes. Mildred Natwick. Yes, the two, the those two, Broadway the old Snoop ladies. Si the Snoop Sisters were two old women who who were solving mysteries solving murder mysteries yes they were fantastic so, and uh, there's like a, the pilot is on there and another at least one other episode one where vincent price is the bad guy i honestly folks i have been scouring youtube for movies of the week and things like the snoop sisters and every time god bless youtube because it's like the documentary it's there banachek also was part of the mystery banachek absolutely with, with, with george papard also levinson and link uh show right. Right. So, no, I love that stuff, man. Murder by the Book uh, suffers from one thing I think some Columbo episodes suffer from, which is, again, a plot, a plot thing that bothers me. Uh, it is not clear to me if Columbo has the power to check phone records. Sometimes he has it, and sometimes he doesn't. Right. Like, like, a, a, like Murder by the Book could solve like, like that if he just checks who called the damn cabin. <laughs> right. If he right. subpoenas the phone records and figures it out. And I think there are, like, two or three episodes where he does that. He's like, well, we saw your phone records to you, too. But sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. It's a, it's a power that comes and goes, depending on the writing. I'm just a whiny complainer of all the episodes. Okay. No, I love I love these. I love that episode. I don't know if it I it would have ever made my top five, but I, I do love that episode. Go on for the reason. Stylist, stylist, the, the Spielberg part of it is brilliant. Stylist, yes. it's yes. Yes, he was like twenty eight or something. He's yeah, he was really. I mean, he, I had think just, he might have even been younger than that. I, I think. I, I think he had that. just he had he had made Night Gallery with Joan Crawford, the Night Gallery episode with Joan Crawford, and then he he did, which I still think is one of the best things he's done. Duel, yeah, Duel. the Richard Matheson, yeah, the Richard yeah. Matheson scripted thing. Dennis Weaver um, against Dennis, a tra Dennis a Weaver is like a traveling salesman. Correct. Against a giant semi, you never. It's the one of the best intense suspense movies, I guess you'd call it. I don't know if it's not a horror movie per se, but it really is a suspenseful movie. And and again, I don't know if it's on YouTube or not, but that is that and the original Night Stalker pilot, I think, are the two best movies of the week ever. And and Night Stalker, the Night Stalker, that original Night Stalker that you talked about with the Las Vegas vampire, was for a long time the highest rated 
television movie in 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 history. I yeah. mean that that was into the eighties. It was still that. It was so popular. That that thing was great. Night Strangler was good too, but it wasn't yeah, as good. One. Yeah, the second one. It's in not Seattle. as good as the Night Stalker. Yeah, Seattle Underground, right? Yep. Yeah, the the underground city, the part of Seattle that sank and apparently Look, intact. Any, anything Richard Matheson writes. I mean, his his the Twilight Zone's best Twilight Zone episodes were written by Richard Matheson. His adaptations of the Martian Chronicles, another great TV yep. movie event with that Rock was very good. And, and Darren McGavin for that matter. The no. Martian Chronicles by EC Comics. The sure. adaptations of the Martian Chronicles by 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 uh, by EC. I, I think I told Tom, I may have told Thomas, um, but when I met EC, when I met Ray Bradbury, I, I met him, I brought my copy of the EC uh, bound book that when I was working for Russ, the, the, the mm. Russ Cochran. Stuff. Russ Cochran. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I brought that for him to sign and he looked at it and he goes, Oh, this is great. Oh, thank you for bringing this. Cause everybody was bringing books to him and I, I bring this comic book. Was, am I right? Was it the Martian Chronicles? Cause I know that it was not called the Martian Chronicles. It was called um, Mars is heaven. Oh, that specific story. Well, I just know there's an EC story with Bradbury where they adapted something without his That's, permission. That was it. Okay. Okay. That was it. That's and he wrote to them and said, he wrote hey, the letter get, to them saying, yeah, I didn't hey, get my check. Hey, yet. I love your stuff. You do great stuff. I really enjoy it and I appreciate it, but it would be nice if you would give me some, some kind of credit because, you know, because you're stealing my stories. <laughs> they sent him a check. I think as I yeah, and then that. they had that agreement with him and he was after that, he was on the cover. It would say um, on the cover of the comic it would say and featuring an adaption of a Ray Bradbury story. And he was in, not just the science fiction books, but he was also in shock suspense stories, uh, crime suspense stories, and um, trying to think of if there was any other ones he was in. But I know he's in those. That's actually oh, he was in Tales from the Crypt too. They they did a horror story of his also. Oh wow, that's awesome! Okay. I uh, man, I'll tell you, I I back to Colombo, but uh, yeah, I. I I got to meet Bradbury in uh, 2006 at Comic Con. Everybody's met Bradbury a, a long oh, way. And and now all the, Ray Harryhausen. They were together. Well, I saw that it was the Ray floor. Harryhausen, Forrest Ackerman, and um, Bradbury. Ray Bra Bra Bradbury had breakfast with them. Wow! It was at the famous what? Monsters Convention. That's and, excellent. At, and, and Ray and Forrest Ackerman tried to pick up my wife. <laughs> <laughs> This is we were in our twenties. That's fantastic, man. Excellent stuff. All right, moving on. Next Columbo. Okay. Death lends a hand. I had to include a Robert Culp episode because that's on my top five. Because and that's my favorite Robert Culp episode. Me too. Uh, now is that the that uh, one is written by Levinson and Link. Okay, now that that's the subliminal message one. No, no. Okay, no, which one is this one? That's it's the, the private one security the, one. He's the private investigator, the security, the guy at the head of security, and he's got the guy who's like who's it's Ray Meland because he's yes. got Ray Meland in it too. That's another reason it's so good. Uh, two uh, Columbos with Ray Meland. Correct. The one right. with um, uh, I forget the, her name. Uh, the flower. The flowers. The flowers. The, right, and it and, and it, the one woman. with with a toupee and one without. He went. He went both ways. <laughs> And the woman in that is um, Janice Lester from the last episode of Star Trek, Turnabout Intruder of the original series, who body swaps with Captain Kirk. 
And so oh, Kirk is oh, trapped wow. in her body, okay. and, and, and she's in that. Kirk's yeah, body. Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah and I forget body. her name, shamefully. But uh, you know, I love the universal television machine that literally went from the fifties to the early nineties, and and that there's a great uh, a great documentary about. Uh, the, it's called The Last Mogul, and it's all about uh, oh god, Lou Wasserman, the man oh, who ran okay. Universal yeah, yeah, yeah. until it was bought by the French company that bought Universal, and you know, obviously now owned uh, jointly by uh, NBC and everything. But uh, that machine was just incredible, and that's why we got really good TV shows with great character actors who were already under contract at Universal for film or TV. They had the access to the backlot and all the costumes and the stock footage. And that's why they could construct such amazing looking shows. And I, and then Columbo was certainly part of that wheel. And, uh, and, you know, and of course he had his issues with universal. I realized that. Um, and rightfully so, you know, but uh, in terms of on, on Fox side and everything, but no, I do. I love, I love all of that. So, well, my mother was friends with Lou Wasserman. So take that. Really? That's and cool. Goddamn Martian Chronicles. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. Did my you ever meet him? Uh, no, I was too young. My mother, you know, my mother's a studio executive at Warner Brothers, so um, but yeah, I, she would talk about him being sort of the old school kind of guy, and yeah, back in the day. That's really like, cool. You know, I was just reading about Lou Wasserman because I'm reading. He, he's in two books. I'm reading right now. I'm two, reading these two books. Is one is the Long Goodbye, which is about the making of Chinatown. I'm reading that too. I just started. I'm, I'm about a quarter of the way through. Amazing book. So um, good. Sam Watson, who we just interviewed in the last issue of North City that I sent you, Tom. You know, Vince Keenan interviewed him, so we interview. We we had that interview with him um, up front in that issue. Um, and then the other thing that Wasserman is in is in the biography I'm reading about um, Marlon Brando called uh, The Contender. Oh yeah, how's that? Excellent. It's great. It's like, Ooh, it's, like like 700, it's like 700 pages, so I'm like 40% through it. You know? uh, Scott Iman's John Wayne biography. Anybody I've else read, read that? I've read that one. Yeah, Incredible. Back there. And I read Spencer oh, Tracy. I forget who wrote it, but that was a big, like, hurts when you put it on your lap to read uh, biography, and I can't remember who wrote it, but that was incredible as well years ago. About 10 years ago, I remember reading that. So, all right, back to your list. Robert Culp was amazing as Col- as a Col- yeah, Col- what, I, what I like about that episode is he to me he's the Columbo villain I hate the most. That he, particular he, episode, he's that particular episode. Wasn't that always the case with Culp and Columbo? They were. And that's always, what I was going to say. Yeah, they were always at odds, and they were yeah. definitely at odds in that one. He's the most despicable. He's and yet he, he kills the woman just by hating her because he's yeah, so angry. Yeah, and that has, that great, has that. that great scene with the glasses. Yeah, with the glasses going. Right. The glasses, the way they shot that one, it's like they decided to go innovative with this, you know, with this <laughs> yeah, one this segment. It's like, wow. I'm a big fan of the subliminal message uh, one as that well. That was a that. good one. And that's the football one. With, uh, the Dean football Stockwell. one with, yes, with Dean Stockwell was excellent. But I had to pick one of them. That's my favorite of that. Fair enough. Because this, oh, go ahead. The, sublim- the subliminal message one is one of my favorite alibis. Because he's on the fucking stage. He never, right. They're literally looking at him, but he's not there because he's just in the dark and he leaves a little recording of himself and walks out. And like again, alibi is like everybody's staring at him. And then again, old technology that obviously wouldn't fly today if you tried to uh, write a story like that. Right. Like, right. You accepted for that. So what else? Okay. Etude in Black. Of course. Cassavetti. And Cassavetti's directed some of that episode. Really? Really? Yes. 
is wow. uncredited, but he directed some of that episode. Um, well, you know, he and Falk, of course, you know, I mean, that there's that link between not only being friends, but, you know, Falk was in all of his, just about all of his movies. Yeah. At least all of his movies in the 60s and 70s. Husbands and Wives, um, Chinese Bookie, uh, right? Right. No, I don't think he's in Chinese Bookie, Maybe but he's he he's in um, Woman Under the Influence. I Wonder, uh, yeah, of course. Yes. Um, so... And of something that else that was interesting is that Gwyneth Paltrow, um, uh, Blythe Danner, who plays his wife, yeah. she was pregnant with Gw- Gwyneth Paltrow when they were filming that episode. Wow. Oh, you're kidding. No. And Myrna Loy is... Myrna Loy is a grandmother in uh, mom, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, Myrna Loy is also in one of my favorites, which is Swan Song with Johnny Cash. No, 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 that's not Myrna Loy. Uh, E1, if you're scoring, oh, that's Ida Lupino. Be, I'm sorry, Ida it's Ida Lupino, but that's all right, man. No, 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 right, Ida Lupino. And I and and I'm glad you met. And I'm sure Swan Song is on your list, so let's. It's, that's on my list. You want to talk about one that's kind of outrageous? You know, you know, Johnny Cash jumping out of a car, out of out of a prop plane. Okay, but but, but amazing but acting performance in that one. Look, Serious, yes. look, you so cannot, good. Don't underestimate Johnny Cash as an actor because he was in a noir. He was in a great noir called The Door to Door Killer. Really, I don't have to look yes. at that. We we wrote about it in North City. That's the only reason I know about it. Uh, uh, Jake Hinkson wrote this great article about about that about that movie. Uh, it's, I think it's on YouTube. So I was going to ask. Um, okay, if it's on YouTube, because I mean, the great thing about Prime, and and I understand film purists like it's on Prime too. It's on Prime okay. also. Because because yeah, man. That, I mean, Hillary Barta. Do you know Mike? Do you know Hillary? Yeah, I do. Because Hillary's a big New York City guy. Yes. I know when the festival comes to town here in Chicago, he usually goes. And it was so funny. Years ago, I was doing as an adjunct to Word Balloon. I do Scene Missing uh, podcasts, and I would talk to my buddies that were film buff fans and. Uh, Hillary's one of them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you got to see it. It's on Amazon. No, don't see it on Amazon because it's terrible. <laughs> you should see it on the big screen. And I'm like, yeah, but Hill, yeah, what if nah. you're in, you know, buttfuck whatever state and they, they don't know. What have if a- you're in a pandemic? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it never happened. Here we are. <laughs> so, yeah, man. No, I, and that's good. That's excellent, man. No, I really want to see again the name of that movie. Door to door killer. Door to door killer. Johnny Cash. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I well, think Cash does a good job, and, and he does and the, do a good job. The, it's, it's, a, the very it's outrageous. End, the, the yeah. whole thing about him jumping out of the plane, I always thought was a little on the outrageous side. But John, John Randolph is the old uh, army guy that uh, you know he washed out as a pilot. <laughs> John Randolph. <laughs> no, I yeah. love that one. That's great. Um, great, yeah, great, great, great ending great. With, with that one. Yeah. Where, and where another one, like there, there was another one where, where, where Columbo bonded with, kind of bonded with, 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 his, with the killer. Yeah. Those um, great. So one of my one, favorites is another one like that. And I'll leave it at that until I'll see if it's on your list. And if not, then I'll certainly jump in with it. Okay. A lot of the good ones. Yeah, man. No, so, no, no. I love this. Go on, Mike. All right. So Requiem for a Falling Star. Okay. Um, that's the one with Ann Baxter. Okay. Oh, like that's over, interesting. I'm like, uh, now I, I include, I included that one because it's got all, it's got the whole Hollywood people. It's got Kevin McCarthy in it. It's got Ann Baxter in it. It's directed by Richard Quine, who was a, f- a film noir director. He directed, oh, the yeah. pu- he directed the pushover with Ken Novak and Fred. I Lund. love the pushover. God great damn movie. Great. Yep. No, Richard Quine's amazing. So, uh, is that the one with Edith head? Yes, that is, that, that, that is, the one with Edith Head, and I had to do that for 
the North City editor, my buddy Vince Keenan, because he I said, if you, do not, if you do not include <laughs> that, I, he's going to be really pissed at me. So. And Martin Sheen? Is Martin Sheen the victim? No, no. Um, that that's, the, one, that's the makeup one, the Martin Sheen yeah, one. That's yeah, right. yeah, that's yes, the one, yes. yeah, which I did not include. That's not on my list. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, one, no. I figured maybe one of you guys would no, include it. That's no, not, not one of mine. Um, so that that one. The next one is a stitch in crime with Leonard Nimoy because that's on my, my list. Opinion, top five. Because in my opinion, Leonard Nimoy is the greatest killer villain on of all of the villains on. I can on, see on that. I would I would put him in a tie with Dick Van Dyke. Uh, and in, the Dick Van Dyke one is excellent. Is I put excellent. him in a tie with someone who you're going to mention later, a certain mystery. Robert guy. Conrad. Robert Conrad. No, Conrad's it's not Robert Conrad. Oh, that, and Conrad. that's on my it's list. It's a female. Conrad a female. Okay. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. But, so, uh, and, but yeah, I, that, I totally agree on Nimoy, man. Nimoy is fantastic in that. He's great, and it's one of the few times you ever see Columbo lose his cool. When yeah. he pounds the pounds the desk and starts yelling yes. at him, yeah. when he's, he's laughing at him and stuff, yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, bullshit, pal. I know you did it. I just can't figure it out yet, but I'm gonna get you." And it is so beautiful. And Will Gear is great in it as mm-hmm. the old doctor. And is it Anne? That's right. And um, Honey West. Honey West. That's right. Um, Anne Francis. Anne Francis. So about ten years after Honey West, still hot as ever. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's man again. Great character actors in that one. Great story and. I mean, just the flip side of Mr. Spock in that one because he is cold and calculating in yeah, that one. Yeah. And my one of my probably my favorite like gotcha ending when he's 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 surrounded by all the the, doc, the doctor surrounded and he and he gets in a fight with everybody and Columbo has to search everybody to see which of them has the evidence on him and Columbo realizes the only person that could have the evidence is Columbo himself because that's the lead, that's the person who shouldn't have it. And he reaches in his pocket, and the evidence is there. And that, yeah. and that oh, move, so, and, so and that, brilliant. And Nimoy is—he thinks he gets away with it. He's yeah. back in his office, and he's—he's he's, he's like, puts his yeah. hand in his hair like this, yeah. and it's like, you know, he thinks he's gotten away with it. So it is—it's a great—it's a great ending. Absolutely, um, man. No, it's one of my favorites. Next, yeah. That's, Next that's, that's one my is uh, any port, any old port in a storm. Oh, that's another storm one. Pleasant, You've named four is, of my top is, five. Oh yeah. yeah. That would be number. That would be probably my number two favorite, all-time favorite, um, Mr. Carcini, because that was really, truly the. It's also Peter Falk's favorite episode, all-time favorite episode. Um, that that was the one where he finally really bonded with with the killer. I yeah. mean, there was a true bond with them, and that ending scene with them in the car is really great. I thought. Oh God, the whole thing, man. The way that the secretary. You know, kind of about Julie the Harris, black man. Ju- Julie, that, Julie Harris plays the secretary. That's right, Julie Harris. Of course, it was. Oh, and um, was it Gary Conway that was his Gary older? Conway, who was te- I was a teenage Frankenstein, and of course, uh, right, two thousand one, wasn't he? Uh... No, no, that's Gary Lockwood. Oh, excuse me, Gary Lockwood, of course. Gary Conway was I was a, te- <laughs> I was a teenage Nerds. Frankenstein, um, <laughs> and it's what like a great movie. And he wrote for Marvel Comics for many years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Jerry Conway. Oh, oh, oh my God. That's so embarrassing. Outstanding, man. You're killing me. I wish, I wish we could show a picture of Gary Conway. In Teenage uh, Frankenstein? In Teenage Frankenstein. That, that makeup is crazy. <laughs> that makeup is really, really crazy. It is. I remember seeing that. John, in- we need, John, I talked to you about this before the last time I was on. We need to just do a podcast just about classic horror. Oh fuck yeah! Uh, absolutely, man. Do about no, classic we'll, horror because I did a classic horror yeah. movie magazine with my brother. You know, it, no, it's I know. Still running. Well, 
And famous mo- oh, your your ma- your horror magazine still running? Yeah, I I left it. My brother left it, but it's kind of at the end. But yeah, it's okay. Because I remember seeing ads for Teenage Frankenstein in uh, Famous Monsters. Yeah, well, and also you know you could get the Super Eight version Man, of that. I had a Super Eight projector the- when I was a kid, and I had the the twenty minute you know you know <laughs> digest versions of movies. You know, my my friend had uh, Frank- Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Oh yeah, and all yeah. I had in it was the fight. That's all yeah. I had time for. Yes, we had time exactly. for anything else but the fight between. Now let me go see his Frankenstein with Lon Chaney. I'll duke it out. Absolutely. Here's a, here's, a, here's a thing that you didn't know. All right, Tom's already getting bored. Um, um no, I'm not getting bored. This is fascinating to me. So, you guys have fantastic taste. I follow you, and then I steal from you and put it in comics and make money. This is the best formula anyone's ever had for making uh, the cash. When am I get? When am I getting my check for this? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, donate to John. You got a Patreon too? What the fuck, man? <laughs> You're doing my interview. That's that's your pay. Oh, that's my pay, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. All right. The thing about Bell Lugosi, do you know in that in that movie, he was supposed to speak and he was supposed to speak with Igor's voice. Because he was Bell Lugosi was Igor. Well, that's Ghost of Frankenstein. Um That's not Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Right. But Bell Lugosi played the monster in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Right. And he's blind. He's supposed to be blind in it. No, no, no. That's you're confusing the two movies. I'm going to throw a flag down. This is a fight. All right. This is going down. Because Ghost of Frankenstein is Igor's in that. And it's uh, I know. I know. No, 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 no. You're not. You're not. You're not. I'm not letting you talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. The brain. of (laughs) Tom's really going to get confused here. The brain well, of Igor to go at it. gets ta- put into the brain of the monster. So Bela Lugosi was going to speak in it. And because Bela Lugosi, as the monster in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, was going to speak like Igor. Because he was Igor. I'm sorry. That still goes to Frankenstein. I, I promise you. No, 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 no. I'm telling you. No, no. You're not right about this. All right. We're going to. John, you're not right about this. Uh, God bless you, son. I'll look it up and I'm happy. Put some money on it and look it up. No, 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 no. Ghost of Frankenstein features Lon Chaney Jr. as the monster. Right. 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 And the Lugosi is Igor. Right. And it ends with. All right. First, I'm going to look up Frankenstein. Igor dies in that one. Right. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Okay. Bela Lugosi plays the monster. Right. Igor is dead. Right. In that movie, Bela Lugosi, as the monster, was going to have Igor's brain. So in the movie, in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, he's going to talk. They cut this out. He was going to be blind and he was going to talk like Igor because he had Igor's brain. You're right about that. I okay, because I remember at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein, you hear Igor's voice, even though it's um is that that's Lon Chaney. That's Lon Chaney Jr. But but you hear Igor at the end of that thing, and I thought it was him blind at the end of that movie. And then it was going to continue in Frankenstein Meets the Wolf Band. I do see that you're right. Okay. Okay. It's Bill Lugosi playing the monster. So and he was going to be blind throughout the movie. So when you watch that fight between them and and Bill Lugosi's like this, you know, and he, he you know, it looks like he can't see what he's doing. It's because he's he's blind and then they decided that you know, when they were going to cut the movie and edit the movie. We're just going to edit this out. We don't want him being blind. And we don't want him talking either. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because, yeah, you're hilarious. right. And then ridiculous. 
and I will, uh, I, I mean, again, I, I, all right, now I see the plot of Ghost, and they say that uh, Frank Sammy's The Wolfman was after Ghost of Frankenstein, but right. now I want to look up Ghost of Frankenstein because I remember it at the end, Fra- mm, the monster right. speaking no, with Igor's right Igor, voice. Absolutely, you're right. But well, okay. all, all I was saying okay. was that in Bell Lugosi was played the character. Now I'm with where you. He, yeah, where right. he's talking because he's got Igor's brain. All this right, is ridiculous. Hilarious. I'm sure no one gives a shit Bullshit. As, they're, uh, as they're talking about here, Here's Here's Wayne uh, <laughs> commenting, having a Costello meet in certain Universal Monster here. <laughs> he's absolutely right. Here, here are, is this idiot nerd talking about like horror movies, you know, and, and no, no, about RV, these, or horror these are, movies. This is all great. And again, <laughs> tangents are welcome on Word Balloon always. Tom knows that. You know that. So don't even apologize. Love it. Love, could not this, love it more. This is the best. The most this relaxed is, I've felt in weeks. I, I mean, honestly, this is the kind of conversation we'd be having at a convention after hours. And usually in the middle of it, I'd be like, as as it was said in Seinfeld, this should be the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, this should absolutely be the show. All right, Mike, next on your uh, Columbo list. Because I, okay. love, well, I love that pleasant song. Uh, Swan Song was my next one, which is okay, the one with we discussed Cash. it. Yep. So then the next one is an exercise in fatality Robert with Conrad. Robert Conrad, because yeah. I think Robert Conrad is one of the all time. It's first of all, it's a great episode. We and just lost him this year, right before the virus. Oh man! I, look, when I was a kid, I, I, I didn't like the Batman TV show. I wasn't a fan. I liked the first two episodes, but I wasn't. I wasn't a fan. First two episodes. Uh, are neither. I like the cartoon parts. First season, yes, I would say which was the first twenty seconds. Yes, um, <laughs> and I did not like. I, you know, it's to be honest with you. One of the reasons I I I wrote, I wanted to do the Batcave Companion was because I wanted Neil to get the credit that he deserved for bringing Batman back to what Bill Finger created. Yeah. Um, so. I yeah. just, I just never, I never liked. I, when I was a kid, and and Frank Miller brought this up in the documentary. I thought that was great. How what what Frank was talking about was all we knew, and and all that the media and people outside of comics knew about Batman and comics in general was the camp side of it, and yeah. that it was for kids. And I thought the Batman TV show perpetuated that. Um, sure. So I never liked it as a comic book fan and a guy who loved Batman and loved Neil Adams and Jim Aparo's Batman. I mean, I just never liked that TV show. So, but I love Wild Wild West. And for me, James West. Wild Wild West was, was more of what Batman should have been than Batman, the Batman TV show. It was steampunk um, James Bond before there was such a phrase as steampunk. Yeah. I mean, I know it's James, the James Bond connection is really there. It's more of a James of Bond thing, but sure. Um, you know, and, and Robert Conroy was too short to play Batman. But, but I love the inventiveness <laughs> Of of nineteenth uh, century gadgetry to explain the secret agent motif. Oh yeah, and, and oh, it yeah. was this. I mean, it was again. It was genre blending before there was genre bl- blending. So, so let me. I saw you were doing a rewatch of it when Robert Conrad died. If I have, no, I mean, I've seen the really shitty movie, uh, but no, <laughs> let's not talk about that. It's really so so bad. But Let's like embarrassingly that. bad. How do you dive into Wild Wild West? Is it you have to like start with the pilot and keep going, or yeah, no, I would the top ten episodes. In opinion, or in my opinion, the first first season is still the best. The black and white, the black and white season. The first first season is the best because it, even though the ratings continued to be good throughout, um, I think they were it was a running a little dry of like stuff after a while. They were kind of like recirculating things over and over again, um, but. Um, 
that first season is really, really good. And Just if watch you can, the first season straight through is the best way. That's what I would do. And in fact, if you can find, and I think there's still a shrugging now. I have YouTube. No, right I get no problem with what he's saying. I'll, I'll give my opinion in a second. Sure. The, 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 well, I mean, I love the color episodes too. I yeah, mean, that's what I'm saying. They're good. I, but I, I just think that you should start with the first season because my favorite is the first season. Um, it is it is grittier. It, I mean, it, it, it gets a little more tongue in cheek. Not as campy as Man from Uncle God. And I love Man from Uncle. Ben, I get, now that I would say, stick with the first season. That's the best stuff as far as Uncle goes. And I'm with you that I do agree. I think the black and white stuff is fantastic. But I think there were a lot of good. Uh, there were no. There, there were. Jonathan Winters episodes, was a no. great bad guy. Of course, I mean Michael Dunn as uh, well, Miguelito Loveless throughout the run was incredible. You know that Dunn and Conrad were best friends. Who and Conrad were best friends? Michael Dunn. Oh, that's awesome! I did not. They know that. were they were best friends, and Michael Dunn did all of his own stunts, like Robert Conrad. That's fantastic. And Tom, I don't know if you know two things. Michael likely knows the show was canceled because the Nixon administration really clamped down on the network, saying, "Hey, you guys are getting too sexy and too violent. Tone too it violent. down." Yeah, it was too and, violent, and, and and literally, that's the reason why Wild Wild West was canceled. It wasn't because of any falling ratings or anything like that, and that's one of the reasons why Gunsmoke became more of a sedate drama than the shoot 'em up show that it was in its black and white days. Right. And, that, and, it, and it kind of, I mean, they're, they're interesting, but they're, I mean, for as far as the gun smoke ones go, but no, I, I think Wild Wild West, it's a, it's a Western procedural. I mean, honestly, I think you can, if you happen to see it like channel surfing, dip into the oh, episode. Yeah, be yeah, fine. There's no, you don't have to watch like yeah. just the, the first thing, but I, my highest recommendation is the first thing. And I'll tell you what, what's yeah. really fascinating is if you've got the, the DVD set for the first season, I don't Which have I a DVD the, player, you old man. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're kidding. Columbo on Amazon gotta, Prime. Don't they, have commercials? don't they have commercials it's on It's awful. That? Except for the first season, they all have commercials. Yeah, you can buy oh the first God. You can buy the first season, but the rest you have to watch horrible Amazon commercials. Well, where is this? On Amazon Prime? On Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, but it's at the beginning for two seconds. No, no, no. Throughout, it's, if, if, if you watch Columbo on Amazon Prime, you, there's no way to buy it and just get commercial free. Get yeah. the hell. Oh, you, you know, maybe it's on the commercial breaks, a little 30 seconds, you know. Maybe it's on Amazon. Dude, dude, spend a hundred bucks and buy a DVD or Blu-ray player, okay? And, and, and what are you talking about? <laughs> listen, no, no, that first no. season, that you know first what? season. My mother invented DVD. It's, it's not 2006. It's true. You're killing me. Man, Criterion, the Criterion Collection. Come yeah, on, man. there's a Criterion I, Channel. There is a Criterion, Criterion. Channel. but the Criterion Channel doesn't have uh, all those oh, movies. Don't have me. all the extras that those DVD and Blu-rays have. Uh, <sighs> you make a good point. Now you're making Look, me and sad. That was my, and that was my point about about the, the the first season is is that Robert Conrad is part of that entire thing. He in, he introduces each episode, and then he does a, a track, a voiceover track along with a couple of the producers and a couple of the writers talking the, about the episode. I'm going to have to buy that. And now, then it has documentaries all about the making of the show. Oh. And it has like extras, including like the times they were like on the Mike Douglas show and being interviewed and they were on Dick Cavett and it's, it's just loaded with all kinds of stuff. The, they didn't do it for the second season or any of the other seasons, but the first season they did that. I, I want to acknowledge Bill uh, Simone's uh, comment about a assignment Vienna. Now I don't know that project. Yeah, I have. I've never seen that, but I I remember 
I lived in Miami, and he did a movie called Murph the Surf, which was about the heist guy. Murph the Surf. Yeah, the, the heist guy. And that was a pretty good movie. It was entirely filmed in Miami in the 70s. <laughs> Wayne is blowing my mind with this uh, observation. It'd be interesting if Alan Moore would link the Wild Wild West with the man from Uncle the way he did with League of Extraordinary <laughs> yeah, Gentlemen. Right. Yeah, I got no problem with that. You know, a bad Robert show. Robert Conrad a- also was, was a boxer. Uh, absolutely, he was a boxer, and you see it in that episode. Yeah, five uh, pro fights. Yeah, no, he was the and Chicago guy. Uh, yeah, grew up he in was, Chicago. Exactly, he was a Chicago guy. Definitely. Oh yeah. yeah, and and I, you know, and again, he had the craziest um, internet radio show where he would take fan. Did you calls. ever listen to that? Really? Absolutely, I did. Oh, what was that like? That had it to be was nuts. weird because he would play old middle of the road music like Perry Como and <laughs> like beautiful music, <laughs> like you know, yeah. That kind of he era. He also played G. Gordon Liddy. I didn't remember mini, that. He played in, in the miniseries when G. Gordon Liddy came out with his his, biogra- his autobiography. Yeah, Will. Will. It was the miniseries Will, and Robert Conrad plays G. Gordon Liddy. I didn't Liddy. remember that. That's I bet that's on YouTube. Um, he uh, he he would take fan calls. And literally, it would just they'd play the Wild Wild West music coming in and out of commercials. Bob, I loved you on Wild Wild West. He talked to, <laughs> he talked to old peer celebrities he had i remember one episode there's a internet there's a podcast feed of the show oh i think you can still access if you search for it i have asked this to you while walking but you can't answer because you're just a podcast so i'm going to ask it to you in person talk to me do you just consume media 24 hours a day is there any time you're not things going in honestly uh, my my former colleagues on sports radio would call me a vidiot and they'd say you're a vidiot savant, and I'm, and I am. This, I, I, you know, I have trouble with my taxes. I, I'm a poor <laughs> businessman, and all that said. But what I've got locked in my head, I really do. I have this weird. I'm not quite uh, like uh, from Taxi, uh, the beautiful woman, Nada. Oh yes, the, who was on the Trump show? Who was on and the and what Trump show? I didn't know. Oh, was she on the uh, the Apprentice? She um, she was on the Celebrity Apprentice. Okay, she uh, uh, Mar Mar. Mary Lou Henner. Mary Thank Lou you. Henner, yes. Atta boy. She she literally has a photographic memory. I can remember every day of her life and tell you yeah. what she was doing. And, and That's uh, crazy. You know, it's insane. There's like four. I know, I know this because, I mean, I listened to her image at WTF, but she was on the Trump show and she has the photographic memory. She could tell us some fucking stories, but she doesn't. <laughs> I But uh, yeah, I, uh, there's, I don't know. When I hear a great line or I remember a great piece of film or television, it's locked in my brain, man, and it's you know decades later, and I can still remember this crap. It's sad. It's my superpower. It's completely useless. So that's why I'd be excellent on the Legion of Substitute Superheroes, and you I would be, be I would be the idiot. That would be my name. A idiot. You, you should you should get into a situation with me and my brother sitting and talking about comics, movies, and uh, and music. Mike, that's why when we do a podcast, we stay on the phone for like another hour. I know. <laughs> this, guy, this guy and I are sitting the same and talking thing, for like an hour and a half before we even start the podcast. And we've, run, <laughs> and, and we've already like run out of the best stuff. It's true. It's totally true. So you're killing me. And by the way, before we leave Robert Conrad, a horrible James Bond knockoff TV show that he did in the 80s after Baba Black Sheep. It was, was called that? A Man Called Sloan. There are episodes. <laughs> there are there are episodes on YouTube. He had a partner, another agent, a black gentleman who had a cybernetic arm. <laughs> it is it is great cheese. It is honestly, guys. I will send you the link. I'll That's send where you Rob Liefeld got it all from. Man, he just Morgan Morgan Fairchild's a guest star on it. It's it's fantastic. My wife, Morgan Fairchild. Yes, all right, Tommy Flanagan <laughs> or whatever his name was. 
All right, next, Michael. All right, next is negative reaction. There you go, Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. There's Dick so, Van Dyke, yeah. You know, um, and I have to say, one of the most unsympathetic murder victims oh, yeah. on any Columbo ever. I mean, Victim? she had a check to her. Oh, my the wife, goodness. Right, the, the wife. wife. She had a I don't, even, I don't even remember the actress or, or the character. She is pestering him, and she treats him like shit. I mean, she's just like <laughs> the ultimate shrew. It's, it's horrible. No. You're not Laura Petrie. <laughs> Far from it. He has, a, plan for that he has a, a really good plan in that to have him to to kidnap someone, but also be the and also be the kidnapper at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and then the shooting and what it was like in a junkyard, right? He's at yeah, the junkyard, junkyard, and he yeah. like right. he shoots himself in the leg, and the and the bum is sleeping yeah. there, and he hears the whole thing. And then Columbo like, goes. Columbo goes to like the um, the homeless shelter. It is, Vito and Scotty, the nun yeah. and the nun thinks that he's homeless. That's right. The he's nun, wearing yeah. that jacket. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, come on in. My- <laughs> we have a lovely sport coat that I think would fit you. It's uh, Joyce Van Patten as Joyce the Van nun, Patton, right? That's right. That's a great Vito Scotti, who plays. I think that's how you say his last name. Who plays the homeless bum that witnesses it all? Oh, really? He's, okay. He is one, and he's in a ton. Of the Columbos in little scenes, I Is can't remember the one. Yeah, he's he's the funeral director, and I can't remember what the main plot was. But uh, Columbo attends or comes to a funeral to question somebody, and Scotty's trying to sell him a plot or sell him a plan, a funeral plan. I'm trying to remember oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, I remember that scene, but I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. <laughs> Those how are the about ones- Timothy. How about Timothy Carey showing up as the diner, the guy from the diner with the chili? Timothy I don't Carey, remember the you know, Timothy, Timothy Carey, but I, I always love the diner. You know, that's back in the uh, Carcini episode with Donald Pleasance. The, that's in the Shatner episode. Ah, he's running. Actually, he's running the store in the Shatner episode. Oh Timothy yeah, he's Carey. running the store. Yes, he's running the now store. I and know. of course, if you watched Crime with the Wave, chili, yeah. If you watched Crime Wave on Noir Alley, or if you watched The Killing on Noir chili, Alley, yeah. of course, you know Timothy Carey like is great in both of those movies. He's a nut. Yeah, he's a crazy actor, man. That guy had an energy to him. <laughs> that was yeah. Um, what was the name of the movie that he directed? The world's greatest sinner. The world's greatest sinner. It made its debut on TCM. His son actually put it together. One of the craziest films. He's, he plays this charlatan preacher who, um, has like, uh, it's, has overtones of face, uh, of a face in the crowd. Ooh. Crazy film, crazy world's greatest center. I, it probably is on YouTube. He is. It's very bizarre in that Shatner episode because he has no role to play. He's just the diner guy complaining about. He, he gets hit over like, the head. Yeah, he gets, he gets, he gets knocked out. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's fantastic. Because he could have been a killer. He had such a weird energy. I know. I know. What's uh, what's our next one then? Um, okay, Troubled Waters. Great this one. Is, this is uh, the on one, the cruise ship. This is the cruise ship and. First of all, I love that episode because it's yeah. it's just he's out of his element, and I had to like tie in with comic books with this one because it, it that one always made me think of what Denny O'Neill said about what he told me about Secret of the Waiting Graves. I said, "Well, you know, tell me about Secret of the Waiting Graves." And it's like um, because Neil Adams didn't like the story, you know, that was like their first story together, um, and. I said, it's like a horror story. And he goes, yeah. He said, you know what I wanted to do? I knew, um, I think he said he knew that Neil was going to do it, that this was going to be the start of something different. You know, even though he had, he had written a few um, detective comics before that, um, uh, Batman stories. 
he said, but I wanted to do it as a horror story, but I wanted to take Batman out of Gotham City and I wanted him with just the clothes on his back, totally out of his element. He doesn't have any of his equipment. He doesn't have anything except for his wits and whatever is around him. And that's kind of what Columbo did. Because if you think about it, Columbo doesn't have any of his, you know, any aids from, from the LAPD. And the whole thing with the glove, the way he does the fingerprints with the lead, with the, yeah. with the, with the lead of the pencil and how he times everything um, that, uh, that the killer Walking is going to do. Walking up and down the stairs. Yeah. And again, yeah. great, great character actors. Bernard Fox is the captain. Mm-hmm. I'll right, get on right. the boat. It's a ship, Lieutenant. <laughs> right. Oh, and, good. And Dean Stockwell. And, again. And, and, and the key to that episode is this, this is the episode that definitively proves, proves that the wife exists, right? That the wife is not. <laughs> yes. Because right. if the wife doesn't exist, then Columbo is an insane person in that episode. <laughs> that, right. going, <laughs> going back to that Conrad episode, when he's talking to her about, all right, everybody's coming over for dinner. Who's coming over? All right, Bobby and the twins. Right, that's right. That's right. And, and he's like, "All right, what should we get? I got an idea. Chinese food." He goes, "You call it in. I'll pick it up. It'll be fine." And it's this great Bob Newhart one-sided conversation. And well, he's what, like, there All right, I'm hanging like up, and, and he's like, "You can keep talking, but I'm hanging up." Well, there's one like that also in Requiem for a Falling Star when he's so taken by seeing. Um, and Baxter, he he's talking him. to his brother-in-law. Oh, his brother-in-law, that's right. He, I got to rewatch this one. Go on. And he's he's on the phone with his brother-in-law, and he says, you know, he wants his wife because his wife is a big fan of Aunt Baxter. And the brother-in-law is there, and the brother-in-law doesn't believe him. And she has he has to put Ann Baxter on the phone talking <laughs> to the brother-in-law so that she believes him. <laughs> that's outstanding. Seriously, but, but, man. But does he have kids? Because I, I was watching one episode today where he's like, oh, my wife couldn't get a sitter. Yes, I remember that. I remember him saying that. So oh, I don't remember that. Kids. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't – because, again, he would obviously make up shit, you know, for the, for, the, for the villain or whatever, you know, sometimes. They, and now I'll tell you, it's a, it's all again, it's an all it's the time. A, Everything he says is made up. To well, it's a, there's a nineties episode where Estin Peace misses Columbo. And yeah, it's a crap episode, yeah, right. but I do yeah. like the way I it ends because one. it has, yeah. it has another phone call with the, well, how about the one also, and this isn't on my list, but how about the one where the police commissioner is the killer? I he love that. Oh, yeah. Riley. He does the oh my God. Okay. That's a great episode. Oh. Um, he does the swap, but the, the way pool. he the way the way he ends up getting the guy is he rents the apartment and he's yeah, pulling the drawers. Right. These are my socks. Yeah, <laughs> my my underwear, my pajamas. <laughs> and that guy, the the crook that the police commissioner is trying to implicate, I can't remember that actor's name. He's, been he's in, in a couple of Columbos. Oh yes, and also. He's uh he's the crooked alderman in the John Belushi movie Continental Divide. He's in Black Belushi. Caesar too, which my brother just wrote about in the new Norse. Yes, he is. A Fred Williamson movie, absolutely. I love that. Man, Fred Williamson, Mike, we gotta do a Noir City thing, an evening with Fred Williamson. Oh and well, do all this great Didn't I tell movies. you about the time I met Fred Williamson? I sat down and talked to him. Go ahead. I'm at the I'm at this horror movie convention in New Jersey with my brother. Okay. And we were representing our, our magazine, our horror movie magazine. Sure. And we had a table next to Fred Williamson. And no one's talking to Fred Williamson. He's there by himself. I said to my brother, I said, man, no one's talking to Fred Williamson. This is my chance to go talk to Fred Williamson. I, I was kind of <laughs> nervous. 
You know, it's fucking Fred Williamson. And I said, I'm going to go talk to him. I said, but I'm not going to talk to him about movies. I'm going to talk to him about football. So sure enough, I, I went over and started talking. And we started talking about the AFL. And I started talking to him about being with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, that's the entire conversation was just about him playing for the Chiefs and the time he intercepted Joe Namath and ran it back for a touchdown and how pissed off he was that Joe Namath got all this credit for wearing white shoes when he wore white shoes before Joe Namath ever did. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so we just sat. We didn't talk about movies. We just sat and talked about football. I bet he loved that. That's excellent. I met him at a fight. At a boxing oh, match, at, what, what wasn't a fight. Was it? it wasn't a boxing match. It was actually a street fight. No, it was a boxing match <laughs> at uh, the International Amphitheater, one of the old uh, venues. What, do you know what, which one it was? What? what no, fight? it was a Univision card. I Orhe Paez was there, but he oh, didn't Pia. fight. Oh, oh, but he Pia. was there. I like oh yeah, fun. it was. Oh yeah, fun, fun fighter to watch. Absolutely. So yeah, but he was not. He didn't fight on the card, and it was a nothing Univision card. Oh, okay. Um, either 89 or 90 very early when I was just starting to write for boxing illustrated and ring. And, um, and I spoke to him and he really was, man, I, he had the dagger eyes just shooting at me. Like, I mean, he was tolerant and he was cool. And I'm like, God, it's great to see you here, man. He said, well, I'm a big fight fan. And basically like, all right, now leave. <laughs> and I did. But I, I, I have a friend who's very big in the autograph business, but I'm always like, God, it would be great to do an event. And really, you know, you should talk to Eddie about this. But it would be great to do like a couple of his best, you know, kind of crime movies and stuff of the early seventies, and and get him. Oh to talk, yeah, you know, and oh, get him I, that, that would be can. great. I think I caught him just right because from what I hear, he is he could be a pretty gnarly guy to be around. He's but I I guess I caught him in a, either I caught him in a good mood or I talked to him about the right thing. Oh, right, yeah, man, that's likely so. But yeah, I mean, he's and he's a mountain of a man. I mean, he's still a scary imposing yeah, he was man in, he was intimidating now this was like this was like 15 years ago and this is so, i understand buddy well my my encounter was well 30 years ago how you doing everybody <laughs> jesus <laughs> it was it was like 89 or 90 holy christ um wayne is asking and also um john also john source is saying too that uh you know yeah uh, Colum- mrs colombo kate mulgrew quick, horrible quick tv show yeah, it's, and that's too bad and thankfully kate mulgrew rose above it yeah she's a good actress but that's a great terrible actress. tv show yeah it, it, heard it's not, like, nothing good about it so never tried how how, no. how the hell was peter falk married to her or colombo i should just say. right Columbo. well that's yeah it made no sense it made no sense i mean they had the dog i love the dog by the way the beagle's excellent dog that's donald pleasance do you know donald pleasance was was one of the was one of the killers in that in that series on oh, mrs really? colombo yeah I did not know that. Yeah. Well, again, it was a universal uh, show. Because they tried. Again, um, Mr. King, this is a DVD set. Oops. Okay. And it has extras. <laughs> and the extras, it has the episodes of Mrs. Columbo. It, that's right. I forgot about that. It does have yeah. Mrs. Columbo. I don't have John living with me constantly, despite my asking him to. But so when I watch on Amazon, I click on the side and it tells me who all the actors are in the scene, that's which true, helps that's right. for us non-videots to enjoy. That's true. I, all right, because I can communicate with you. So, I, would ah, be in, I would be in your ear every day. Wait, Michael, I got to show you something because I heard John say about autographs. Look what I got. I got a Peggy Cummings autograph. Wow. Oh, nice. Look at that. Boy, oh boy. That's fantastic, recent, man. That, that's recent beautiful. Purchase. I need to pull out I, I need to pull out my book that she autographed. She autographed the book for me. Man, uh, Mauricio, the gun, I, I, the gun I, crazy book I did. I, I appreciate you. Which I've read and is fantastic. If anyone's looking for a good book, I think I'm Yeah, that's a book. that's a great book. Our new book, the new book we got coming out about the 30 screenwriters that is at the printer right now. <clears throat> that's gonna be really good. 
I'll be first in line. I was talking over you. What, what book do you? Uh... Um, Eddie's publishing firm, Blackpool Productions. Our the latest book is uh, Scoundrels and Spitballers, um, about 1930s uh, film uh, movie script writers. Oh, uh, fast, and, it's, and it's written by um, Philippe Garnier who wrote the biography that we published and that I was able to design um, about David Goodis. Which um, I have on my desk. Cause you gave yes, I gave that to Tom last time I saw you. That's beautiful, man. Very um, cool. So that's at the printer. So that'll be coming out um, soon. Where can um, people uh, find uh, Eddie's books um, online? I Amazon, think the but. TCM store has the Gun Crazy book, but also if you order it directly from um, uh, BlackpoolProductions.com, which I designed that website too. Uh, so you can get that book. You can get the Goodest book. You'll be able to get the Screenwriters book. And also, Tom has this too, um, the postcard set that we did of Belgium movie film noir movie posters. They're all Eddie's movie posters. And uh, we created this postcard set um, with Eddie wrote really cool comments on the back about the films. And then I designed it like uh, Belgium chocolates. So the packaging is like a Belgian chocolates thing. <laughs> you, you, you can't see my obstacles on the other side, but I have a wall of those going all the way up. The whole wall is decorated with the postcards. That's cool. I, and they I, fall off when I run on my stupid treadmill back there. So I constantly uh, put them back. Hilarious. Wait, I got them right this is here. great audio content for your I love all of this. This is fantastic. There you edition. go. Oh, wow. Oh, that's oh. pretty. Yeah, it's so pretty. Seriously, yeah. man, the, the covers that – and Mike, are you – because really both for – and I'm, am I right? Is the magazine called Noir City? Forgive me. Noir City is the name yeah, of the yeah, magazine. Okay. It's, a, it's an EMAG. Yeah, that magazine and Ringside Seat, also an EMAG. Beautiful painted covers. They look amazing. I, I are you doing those? Are you commissioning people? Well, most of the covers I'm I'm, I'm designing and creating in Photoshop. Like the one of uh, Gene Tierney was like a digital painting that I worked that I worked on. Amazing. The Gene Tierney um, one was amazing, by the way. I love that one, Laura. Um, yeah, that's a good article by my brother. I'm gonna give Great props movie. to my brother. It was um, just on a night or two ago on TCM. I am jonesing. Xfinity raised the price of TCM, and I'm like, "F you! I already spent enough money on you." And I know HBO Max is coming. I, I if if HBO Max does not include a TCM component, I'll I'll eat the ten dollars. But I'm just like Xfinity. I'm already paying through the nose. I, I don't yeah. need another ten dollars for you. You know, TCM it's ridiculous. Number one watch station in my house. Yeah, I love that. Oh God, God I, I'm jonesing. I'm on I'm on terrible old movie withdrawals because of it. Thank I God for Amazon Prime. I was just watching Eddie did a um, on Twitter. He did a uh, a video um, talking about the, the the virtual TCM Film Festival that they're doing. Yeah, started tonight. Yeah, so no kidding. Um, wow. Yeah, and it's going to wrap up with the setup. Oh, the greatest boxing movie ever made. Yeah, absolutely, Robert Ryan. You do damn right, man. I love that movie. God, I can't tell you, and I don't know about you, Mike. I can't tell you how many cards. I've witnessed that absolutely are like the setup in terms of just being a bunch of six rounders, eight rounders, maybe mm -hmm. a 10 rounder, but more likely not. And uh, Ernie Terrell, uh, the former heavyweight contender was promoting those kinds of shows on the South side of Chicago was uh, like suburbs. That's cool. For years. And for Ernie years. Terrell also a uh, recording artist. 
It well, did Ernie sing? Because I know his he sister, his sister Jean, replaced Diana Ross in the Supremes. Say, yeah, no, Ernie. Ernie had a had an act. He he had a pretty successful act. I didn't um, know that. I, I took Ernie to lunch and, and made him tell me all of oh, his that's uh, really that's stories, really cool. Alley and everything that he was willing to tell me. And it wasn't a lot. I mean, man, I knew a lot of those IBC guys before <laughs> they passed away, and they took a lot of those stories to the grave with them. They really well, did. you know, those six rounders that you're kind of talking about um, are on Showbox that Steve Farhood hosts. And Steve, yeah. Farhood, I want to say now, I can. Steve Farhood is now writing for Ringside Seat. Hey, that's time, great! Congratulations. He is. He's got a. He's got a column in every issue. Oh, that's wonderful. Where he man. is count. He's doing the top ten of things. So in, the, in this first column, it's the top ten worst decisions he's both witnessed at Ringside and on TV. That's fantastic. I um, today I was on uh, the sports radio station, The Score, because yesterday, as I'm sure Mike well knows, thirty fifth anniversary. Yep. Say it. Hagler and Hearns. boy. Greatest yes, three rounds in boxing history. Yes. Yes. The greatest eight minutes or so because it ended midway through the third round. Right. But what a dramatic fight. And uh, shame on me. And I'm like, because uh, I was talking about Hagler's losses, and I mistakenly said Benny Briscoe instead of Willie the Worm Monroe. And uh, the host, God bless him, did say Bobby Boogaloo Watts, so we at least got one right. And I wrote on Twitter today. I'm like, I hope Russell Peltz isn't listening because oh, Russell. Oh, well, Russell's a subscriber <laughs> to Ringside Seat, and, and rightfully so, man. No, it's and I'm so glad. I'm so glad Farhood's with you, man, because uh, yeah. I remember in the '90s when I was covering boxing, I ran into Farhood a few times, and he was he's always in hall, incredibly man, he's kind in to me. Boxing Hall of Fame. Yeah. Know? Well, we and, bo- and we got two boxing Hall of Famers, Nigel, who Tom knows, Nigel, the great Collins. Nigel Collins, absolutely, um, and. Uh, and and now Steve Warhood. So you got to get Graham Houston to guest uh, column at least. Uh, if that I don't know, is he still is he still with Boxing Monthly in Britain? I don't know because it seems like he's in Canada. Or Boxing something Monthly like that. closed. Did they? Yeah, they they, they shut down. Wow, uh, pre virus? No, because About of the virus. like uh, two weeks ago. Wow. So wow. all that's left now is fucking virus. You in ring. ring? Boxing news. And ringside seat. Damn. That's insane. Yeah. All right, pick up Graham Houston, man. <laughs> if you can. Come to us. Come, you know. All right, we're gonna have to you we're gonna have to make know, something happen. He, That's he excellent. Needs, he needs he needs to come over and uh and join join ringside seat. Boxing history being made back here to, on our Colombo <laughs> podcast. Back to right. uh right. back back okay. to Colombo. Yes. Right. Okay. So the next one. Uh, by Dawn's Early Light, which is my favorite Patrick McGowan episode where he has the the uh, the school. You know, he's running the school, the military school. Yes. Um, Bruno Kirby is a young actor. Agree, yeah, Bruno, Bruno Kirby, Kirby, which is Vince Keenan wanted me to mention him because he loves that episode. That's his favorite episode. Um, and McGowan won an Emmy for that one. For um, Deservedly. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's fantastic in that. And very sympathetic. You start off hating him, and then halfway through, you're kind of you definitely to fall in love with yeah. him. Absolutely. Yeah. Whose job was it to hang the cider from the window? <laughs> <laughs> and in that one, he's washing his socks. That's yeah. right. In the dorm. It's such a bizarre. That's the one that they, that they make him stay on the base with the children. It's such a bizarre twist. Oh, I'll just take it. Yeah. Well, they actually they offer him, I think, like an officer's court. It's like, oh no, I'm fine in the barracks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
You love that, man. It's amazing. It's a, well, that's a great, great. One episode. of the low-key background or backstories that he was a Korean War vet, and it's hinted that he served honorably, like he did, you know, like so. Like that fault did really. Yeah, there were no that that the oh, character, the back, Columbo, the character of oh, Colombo. Yeah, he mentions a few times in a few episodes that he saw some action. I didn't remember that. Uh, was the Richard Kiley commissioner one where his uh, license, his, his his firing, he's got to go to the firing range, and he's you know he, he I don't know where the hell my gun is. I I really can't. Make it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And it, and it ends with him at the target thing, and he, of course he's a dead shot and everything. Yes. And it's like yeah, he still can do it. You got to. Right, that's right, that's right. the beauty of this character, man. He just. That's the thing. It's I, you know, I, 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 mean, I mess around. All right, what's your, what's your next one? Best detective like, of all time. My, per, my personal. Oh God, yes. Better than Poirot. Oh, yeah. Better than. Uh, well, certainly more fun to watch than Poirot. Sure, okay. Better than God. Sherlock Holmes. I, and, and I would say as well as, as Holmes and stuff. Yeah. Okay. The next is Try and Catch Me, which is definitely would have been one of my. That's on my top five. Ruth Gordon, absolutely. And my favorite five. killer, Ruth Gordon, my favorite killer. Yeah, Marianne Hartley is uh, Ruth Gordon's assistant in that. That's one. right. Who belly black- dancing in that episode? She black- belly and dancing. And talk, yeah. and talk about blackmailing. She blackmails Ruth Gordon in that episode. And they have the um, they have the best conversation when they have the blackmail conversation, yes, and she's yeah. and because she's like apologizing, she's like, "I'm so sorry, I'm blackmailing." And Ruth Gordon's like, "No, you're making your play. It's fine, honey." <laughs> It's so quintessential, <laughs> Ruth Gordon. Yeah. And, really and and that one, the bond between Columbo yeah. and and the, the and her and the killer is like as strong as the one that was with Donald Pleasant. I agree. You know, well, you know, it's so strong. Friend. She asks him to get off at the end. She's like, yep. "Well, you let me off. Yep. We're friends. So I'm an old lady. I'm obviously not going to kill anybody else. Right. Can I just have this one?" But also, how ingenious it was. How he <laughs> figures out who the killer is because yeah. You know, with, with the, the drawers, with the, the drawers. Yeah, right? With the drawers, and he's like, like a puzzle, and he's 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 piecing the piecing the drawers together, and how they go to, you know, how they point to, you know, her author page. Yeah, um, and yep. her, t- well, her it's manuscript. In the, it's buried in the light socket. It's buried. Right. In the light's not working, so I unscrewed the light bulb. And look what I found. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what a, I, and I, what I a cruel that. way to kill a person! Lock him in this safe with just. Just starved to death with no ox, just, yeah. just slowly died by himself. Yeah. Well, in the Carcini one, right? Isn't that in the wine crypt? Isn't he in? Isn't yes. Is, also, he suffocate in the wine yeah, crypt. Yeah, but, but he's all, he was knocked. He was knocked out though, too. He was knocked out and tied up. Yeah, this guy was yeah. just sitting there scratching. That's true. That's very good. Yeah, you're right. Um, the last one in the dark. In the no matches anymore. Oh, right. He's, yeah, he's, and he's running out of oxygen. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Um, murder under glass. I was going to say with Louis Jordan with a blowfish. Oh um, yeah, and, and Michael. Pico- and, oh, what's oh it? from the Godfather? Um, right, Frankie Five Fingers uh, right, or Five uh, Angels. Uh, Michael, Michael, incredibly long Italian name. I can't think of it right now, but um, so yes, with the that is that is one of the three episodes where the killer tried to kill Colombo. It's that one. Lady in Waiting, which is the one with um, uh, Clark. Uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Janet Lee. No, uh, the one where the 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 woman is Richard Anderson plays her. Oh, brother. Susan Clark. Susan, Susan Clark. Clark. Susan Clark from Webster. Uh, Webster's mom. Right. When she's um, very young. Yes. And uh, she tries to kill him. She pulls a gun on him in that episode. And then How to Dial a Murder, which is the one with Nicole Williamson, where he tries to kill. Columbo with the dogs. That's right. Rosebud. Oh, right. Yeah. And he's right. got all the Rosebud, Hollywood uh, memorabilia in his house. Right. And then then this one where Louis Jordan tries to poison him. I'd respect you, 
but I don't like you, Lieutenant. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing, sir. I don't like you too much either. Directed by Jonathan Demme. That episode. Wow, Jonathan that's right. That? Oh, yeah, oh, my God. You know what's awesome? Coach from Cheers. Nicholas Colasanto. Directed several Columbus. He, di- he directed fact, a couple of them. A, and and also, of- Nicholas Colasanto was in Raging Bull. Of course, yes, as the, as the mob boss. He don't respect me. Tommy, he respects you. You, you don't understand. <laughs> um, I love uh, I love in the Swan Zone Johnny Cass episode, they kind of play on his name. And he's like, I was talking to your producer. Oh, Nicholas Solacanto. So it's kind of a malaprop of his name. <laughs> I never noticed that. That's very good. I never noticed that. I, you know, and that's isn't that amazing that not only was the coach fantastic and could switch gears and play a mob boss in Raging Bull, but that he actually was a good TV director he's as well. Very good. No he's idea. a very good director. I had no, no idea. Pretty neat, man. Wow. So and, he, I mean, and he was a good. He was a good dramatic actor. I mean, he's a very good, good dramatic Bull. actor. He's Absolutely really good in no, Raging Bull. He was amazing in Raging Bull. Absolutely, man. Is that your list, Mike? That is my list. That was 15, man. There's so many good episodes. That's yeah, right. That, that, look, the, I, there's really good ones that I left off. So. <laughs> I'm, I picked one bad episode to not be on your top five, so I have one that's not mine. That's that you, you didn't mention. I have Double Shock, the, the twin. I like that oh, one. I like that one. Yeah, I, I do. I like Lando as, as I the like, twins. I like Lando Martin as the twins. It's not the best episode. No, it's it not. Also, it breaks the mold, too, because you don't know who the killer is. It's one of the few ones, because there's a twin. So it's a fun little twin. Oh, yeah. Mike, and who's the housekeeper boring. that uh, – she's a great character actress. Yeah, I know who she's you're talking about. She's in Cloak about. and Dagger with Dabney Coleman – all right, I'm looking her up because yeah, I'm looking. It, it also has Catwoman doing yoga, which and Julie Newmar is in that. Julie, yeah, oh my god, married, she's, she's married to the old man. Yeah, she's, she's married to the old man. Right. It's <laughs> fucking weird. Right. Oh, but she like just Columbo. Julie Newmar, her prime was a very okay. lovely looking woman. Oh yeah. I, oh, okay. did, you know she and was Columbo's at C- just like wow. I don't understand. <laughs> she was at C2E2 um, years ago, and I'll tell you, man, for a lady that likely is you know in her 80s or whatever, still has a beautiful dancer's figure. She's she's quite impressive. Jeanette Nolan is who I was thinking of. Oh, okay, right. And uh, yeah, she plays that. And I'm sorry. Listen, I know I'm, you know, she, she's flicking his ashes and I forget what it is. He thought it was an ashtray. What do you think you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> Tracking mud on my carpet. Okay. And that episode has the famous chef scene. That's why I like the episode. It has the, where he's Julie on the Newmar show. and the chef scene where yeah. it just, it, where Columbo just goes crazy for two minutes. It makes no sense at all. I know, but it's like, awesome. He's on the, yeah, he's on he's the just TV like, cooking show. Like you put a camera on him and he just, he turns into a completely different character and he's doing like little like <laughs> silent movie bits and stuff. It's just, and Wilfred White is the butler, I think, in that right. scene, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I I will put is it, now. All right, now I'm confused. What's the uh, What's the one with um, Janet Lee called? Oh, that was the one. Sam Jaffe is in that place. It's right, place was the victim. Um, the great Sam Jaffe from Lost Horizon oh, and Ben Casey. I cannot remember the name because I thought that episode. was Lady in Waiting, but I guess or. Either that or Requiem for a Falling Star. Right, I'm gonna look up Janet Lee. Like That's that Lady, the Lady in Waiting. Yeah, is the one with Susan Clark. Um, right. I can't remember the name Hold of the on. one with Janet Lee. She's like losing her mind. She's like, yeah, she's right. Forgotten Lady. Yeah. Forgotten, Forgotten Lady. That's Forgotten the name. Forgotten Lady. And John uh, John Payne. John Payne is is her is her like friend agent or her co star well, former co-star. former lover. That she wants to do a new revival with, and right. or at least John back Payne, Ninety Nine River Street, one of the all time great film noir movies ever. He plays a boxer in that too. Yep. 
Oh, have you ever seen it. Tom? Have you ever seen 99 Burgers? Yeah. I have seen Ryan. Yeah. Mike, another great good. boxing kind of noir, uh, right cross, John Sturges and Ricardo Montalban. I have never seen that one. I have I, never seen know, and I'm sure you've seen Mystery Street, of course. Yeah, oh, Mystery Street's great. And Tom, Mystery Street? Yeah, of course. Ricardo Montalban, yeah. One of the, like, it's like Law and Order 1952. Exactly. Or Quincy 1950 or CSI 1952. And honestly, that's when I'm like, you know something I'm not going to – I mean, I always love Ricardo Montalban and love him when he's over the top. And I always make fun of him saying, do you realize? Because I just love his accent. Uh, and his Columbo, by the way. His Columbo with the bullfighter. With the bullfighter. Yeah. Love that one. Very good. Oh, oh my God. God. But, you know, that Mystery Street really broke the mold in so many ways because you've got this Latino playing this – professor he's brilliant in it you know yeah. and it also was like you were pointing out tom you know um it it kind of brought in the whole idea of forensics yeah, into absolutely. movies i mean i don't think forensics were ever featured in a movie the way they were it, and it's got that one animated scene with um with uh what's her name it's, it's uh, corpse stuff. yeah right the victim yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you great. know i i and I, that's why i started to say Montalban is so greatly low key in that movie, and it's yeah. like he is a great actor. I'm a little ashamed that I've been kind of making fun of him, and I'm, and ever since then, I've examined his work over again. And it's like this guy's a genius, and yeah, he, he did play he a lot of over the top characters, but he also played a lot of characters with dignity. Yeah. And uh, he's a very important actor, and I think I need to finally, see the. Bo- I need to see Right Cross. I need to see. It's that. sitting on my DVR from when I still had Turner. That's <laughs> all. That's sitting on there as well as. Uh, it's always fair weather. The uh, one of the last great musicals uh, that uh, it's Julie Munchen and Gene Kelly, and I forget who the third dancer is. It's kind of on the town ten years later. Eddie told me the best Monobon story. I think you were there, Michael. About I'm gonna fuck this story up, but I'll tell you anyways because I love it. He said Eddie Miller was was interviewing him, and he asked him sort of what the most proud role he ever played was, or something something along those lines. And he said, oh, well, I, you know, I, I do these, you know, I don't know what kind of like Datsun commercials on TV or something, like some shitty car commercials he did. On Cordoba. Chrysler. He did the Cordoba. The Chrysler. Chrysler Cordoba. Yeah, right. And he's like, what? You've been in so, why are you so proud of that? And he's like, the fact that um, this great country, America, would want to buy a car because some poor kid from Mexico told him to do it makes me so proud of where I've sort of come from and what this country is. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, that was the yeah. Story. I, I, that was when we had dinner with 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 Eddie. This, I, yeah, I don't know. I, if that was, was blown away by that story. Yeah. Yeah. My my iPad is running out of juice. I've got to plug it in. Oh, so you're gonna have to unplug your earbuds. Is that okay if I unplug my? We earbuds? can try it. We'll see how it sounds and everything. It's okay, buddy. Now I can hear twice as much me. What? I lost you guys. Oh, you're all right. You're still Shit. there. So yeah, I think you just maybe have to go to the bottom of your screen. And uh, work on your camera or whatever. Uh, there's a. How's that? Is that working now? We can hear you, but we can't see you. Sign in, mystery guest. You can't hear me, right? Oh no, we miss your beautiful face. Yeah, guys, got such ugly. It's it's at the bottom of the screen. Um, you should have. Uh, there's a microphone icon. There's a camera icon, and there's a gearbox for camera and microphone. You might have to either hit camera or the gear the gear uh, symbol to to fix it. And it, I mean, and you can be anonymous. We're talking to Mr. X, and we have further <laughs> questions for him. Shit. Are you still with us, buddy? I'm glad I'm not the one needing technical difficulties. This is amazing for me. Maybe That's it's right. your DVD Guys, player gone away. 
Okay, oh. that's fine, Mike. No problem. That's You're excellent. Right. All right, man, that guy, Jesus, what an asshole. What the fuck is this <laughs> Boxing this, an actor that. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, God, I'm so tired. How I are you? I want to talk about the new Fast and Furious movies. And so oh, my crazy. God. Um, How am I? I'm good. How are, are you, you, John? I'm, I'm good, man. I, I was not kidding before when I said I listened to uh, your podcast. I listened to three hours of Mike Gold this weekend. Which Wasn't that me- great? Seriously. Yes. It was. Yeah, I feel. I felt like I was an old Chicago hand by the end. Of you, the seriously, man. Like we need to have a meal with Mike Gold sometime because you will love his stories. Obviously, mm-hmm. you got a lot of them. And yeah. what an important guy. I would. Well, you know, I he's vital to me, sort of in, in getting into comics because he wrote the introductions to all the best of things. I don't know, but people remember. This. I have them on my shelf here. Uh, like you know, uh, best of DC or best of Superman or. DC. I didn't realize that. That's amazing. And 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 he would write like a, a detailed introduction of how they did this and um, see there it is the Mike there's Mike Gold's little signature wow. and uh, and and it was, that when I was you know eleven twelve that was the first comic book history I'd ever read where someone was talking about comics in prose form and I was addicted to them read them religiously over and over I could probably quote them from like verse so yeah it was awesome hearing from him. We can talk about what John Sorsa says about Colombo. The Leslie Nielsen episode with McGowan is incredible. See, I disagree. That's I, one want of the you to, I don't like. I, it's too complicated. It has too many twists and turns, and I'm not a smart enough man to follow where it is. In the now that's the one that ends with uh, him giving the speech. Uh, yeah, he gives you know, speech. and 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 that's another Vito uh, Scotti uh, episode as well, because okay. I believe it's for his organization that. Uh, all right, Mike's back. Let's see here. That uh, that Vito does. Oh, or that Magoo now does I'm in that. the middle. I'm in the center square. There you go. It's like volleyball. We've all rotated. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, you sound okay. 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 You're cool. I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna plug back in and see if this works. If you want to win nerdy Hollywood squares, you better go with Tom because Tom, out of uh, 100 uh, women, uh, the question is: (laughs) I'm watching Card Sharks with my kids. I watch. I don't know why, but Buzzer calms me down. It's Buzzer. one of the few things that's sort of it's almost like Xanax on TV. Are you, are you I, talking about old game shows now? Yeah, Buzzer. Buzzer. How about, how about um, uh, what was it? Joker's Cat. Wild? Joker's Wild is fine. Joker's Wild is not on that's Buzzer. The I don't, one, that's the one with uh, Jack Barry, who was notorious for 21 and the great quiz show scandals. Right. And then, that's you know, right. and, he, right. and he came back. He and Dan Enright, the host and producer, came back. With Joker's Wild in the seventies, and yeah, it's kind of crazy if you watch Tom, the Quiz Show movie, the Robert Redford movie about that. That Robert. Oh Redford. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. When I was, yeah, of course, yeah. They directed, not that he was in. Yeah, the PBS documentary about the Quiz Show scandals is pretty amazing as well. I haven't seen that. Uh, a great uh, celebrity was on the sixty-four thousand dollars question. Her uh, her subject was boxing, and she won sixty-four thousand dollars. Mike, oh, you I, don't know? Oh, uh, was it? I don't know. It wasn't Joyce Carol Oates, was it? No, but you're right with part of the name. Oh, Dr. It was, of course, John Oates from Holland Oates. No, no, it wasn't John Oates. Joyce Brothers? Brothers? It was Joyce Brothers. Yes, indeed. And that's how she became famous. Really? That's that's what kind of uh, put her in the spotlight. And they tried tried to get rid of her because they didn't feel she was, for whatever reason, a, a good contestant. I guess from I mean she was a, she was a cute little lady back in the day and still is an older lady as well. But for whatever reason they tried to get her off and she had fo- a photographic memory and memorized a boxing you know history book and like is learned that, everything. 
Is that on YouTube that those episodes with her on from I don't that's a very good question. I don't know. I do but she I, I do know that's part of her backstory is you know Joyce Brothers. But um also Patty Duke was on a different show and they fed her the, the, the questions and she kind of cracked on the stand and started really? crying. And this is before she was the you know in the Patty Duke show and stuff, before identical cousins were a, a thing. I just saw her on password last night on Buzzer. Time is a flat circle. My my favorite uh, my favorite show of uh, of on Buzzer is Tattletales with oh, the husbands and wives. That's late night. It's like two a.m. Buzzer. That's when I, that's when the, re- the anxiety is really high if you're watching Tattletales. Shatner's on there with it with one of his wives, Jack Carter, and all these like crazy like Gary Crosby, Bing's Cro- Crosby's son from his first set of uh, sons. His first set like of kids. A lot oh of men. Bing, Bing Crosby, who, the guy who drove his son to suicide. Two, hey, I th- hey, I hey. I want to say two of them. Allegedly. I think, well, I think so. Something like that. Yeah, no, two of no of his, his, his first family, none of the kids reached the age of 35 or huh. something. Oh, no, Gary made it to like 50s or oh, maybe oh, even 60s. Well, two of them killed themselves. I mean, none, none of them were like the, the second family. They're all still alive. Right. Well, Which they did one? it right by Denise, which one is the Star Trek lady, Denise Crosby? What, who did she come from? She's the a first granddaughter batch? of, I believe, either Gary or one of the other sons. One of the so one of the first batch, so yeah, one of the first four. That's yeah. That's yep. Um, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, I used to go to game shows because you know I grew up in L.A. and my father would, you know, once every two or three years go on a game show and lose, but I would go and that's sit awesome. in the audience, and that's great. My but my my aunt, my mother's best friend on Scrabble, if anyone remembers that. She, she uh, with with Chuck Woolery, um, who's now a crazy person, but nuts. Uh, uh, she she beat the bank there. They, they had to take her off the show because she won so many times, and they actually hired her to work for the show because she just she won like you know eighty thousand dollars or something in nineteen eighty seven. What other and shows was you over and over again? What other shows were you? Do you remember anything? I went to travel. I went to. Oh, I don't. I remember one time, you know, you you see the door prize. You know, there was a raffle. And there was a guy who warmed up the audience, just like when you see a sitcom live. Sure. And there was a raffle, and I remember. You know, I'm like seven years old in this, but so like I won uh, a a year's supply of Kentucky Fried Chicken in a oh raffle. <laughs> what is a year's supply of Kentucky Fried well, Chicken? So this is what it was. They gave me a bucket, like a, but it was it wasn't like a paper bucket. It was like a plastic bucket. And I could go into any Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they'd have to fill my bucket with fried chicken. Yeah, it had, like, it had like a special code in it. It was like, like a, a message was, that yes, it was, this it was like fill this bucket. You know, I mean, my mother only let me do it like twice because it was too much chicken. <laughs> but I kept the bucket. It was a nice bucket, and yeah, we, we, I don't know. We, we were so poor we couldn't have buckets. I don't get it. So I mean, I put toys in it for the rest of my life. But it was like that. Yeah, that's my year's supply of Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket. Wasn't that the name of a Louis L'Amour Western? Fill my bucket. <laughs> Fill my bucket. <laughs> That's outstanding, man. That's a great story. Jesus, you're killing me, man. I used to do that when I was a kid. Go those game shows and watch them in the audience. Because they film them all in a row, which is the it's, it blows your mind when you're a child. Oh yeah, like oh my god, what's worth the shows, right? Five yeah, That's right. That's right. They just keep changing their clothes and they film like an entire week, like just yeah, in one just episode, changing, one, yeah. in one day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a serious question. If you let me peg you, thank you. Here's a serious <laughs> question. Thank you very much, Jessica. Lovely talking to you. There you go. I, I have. Uh, I'm going to say no. <laughs> How about no? <laughs> Good call, John. You nailed that. One. 
I got no problem with that. By all means, make fun of us. It's all right. You know, should we move on to the documentary? Let's. I watched it twice. I'm prepped. Masters of Count of Picard. Anyone uh, watching, if you if you saw it, please chime in because I would love to uh, hear people's thoughts on it. Um, I spoke to Ken Viola yesterday afternoon. It's the latest episode of Word Balloon that's on the feed today and uh, right after the Chicken episode. And uh, Ken Viola made it, and it was in 1987. You talked to the person who made it yesterday? Out of, out of nowhere, Sunday, after a, a listener on Twitter said, love to hear you guys talk about this, and that's why I suggested the subject for you guys. Um, yeah, uh, Ken Viola emails me, and he's like, hey, I heard you want, you're want you going to be talking about my documentary uh, if you want, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fantastic, man. So we arranged the, you know, he wanted to talk during the daytime. I said, you know, we're going to be talking about other things as we've been doing. And I'm like, so I don't want to waste your time being on the live stream. I said, but yeah, I'd love to do an interview. So I'd rather talk in the afternoon anyway. I'm like, great. So we, uh, we talked. We talked and uh, he gave me a ton of behind the scenes information. So, you know, I'm just curious. What is he doing now? What is, what is he's he retired. Doing? He's retired. He was very big in the music business. He had a show. I got to bring up his um, his uh, his his thing again. Um, his IMDb page because he had a show on MTV that I remember. Uh, uh, Rock influences was what it was called. Uh, Carla Devito was the host of it, and uh, it was it was like one of the first non music video shows that MTV was doing, and. Um, he uh, he learned how to shoot on that show as an associate producer, and then literally uh, took a Betamax camera out. Um, was a lifelong comic fan, was fr- lifelong friends with Bernie Wrightson among others, and uh, you know just kind of established a bunch of these contacts. He he wanted to be a comic book writer, and uh, submitted stuff to uh, uh, Charlton uh, and and other publishers. It's all in the interview, um, but uh, got to know Steve Ditko. Uh, and that's why Steve Ditko participated in the documentary. Is that his voice? It is his voice. That's his voice. That was, yes. yeah. That was, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because I absolutely the, the most fascinating thing about. I mean, it was a really great documentary, but I was just glued listening to Ditko talk. How was his was voice? Like I had no heard, idea. I'd I assumed it was someone him talk before. Yeah. Well, apparently, and it's in and it's in my talk with Ken, and I'm glad people are chiming in that they did listen to the episode today. Thanks, guys, because uh, I was a little worried about the timing of it if there would be enough time. I was you know, shaking today, yelling at me that I suck. That's what I was listening to. You know, listen to fucking John. I know, I know. Uh, it's he's a lot of great stories, but yeah, apparently uh, he met Steve in a, a younger point in his uh, life. And Steve, the the idea that Steve is the J.D. Salinger of comics, Ken will contest and say that's not true. He didn't want publicity, but if you wrote him, he would write back. And especially like, I guess this was happening in the 70s or 60s. Um, and, uh, and yeah, when he was ready to do the documentary, he approached Ditko. Ditko said, I don't want to be on camera, so what will you show? And he's like, well, let me show, you know, scenes from Mr. A. And Ditko was thrilled with that. Yeah, and then, yeah, Ditko just kind of gives his screed, uh, his little manifesto and his beliefs in objectivism and uh, Ayn Rand. And- his accent is so weird. I was trying to nail it down. I was like, sometimes it sounds almost Hispanic, and but, it's, but then sometimes it's middle. Yeah, I, I, I assumed it was a reader. I had no idea it was him. 
Yeah, it was it's it's pretty amazing. The film's from 1987, and that's an interesting time. And I even wanted to I, I went and researched. I'm pulling on my uh, notes here because I wanted to see how old everybody was when they made it. But 87 was amazing because you know you think about what was going on with DC in 1987. I mean, I was just like you know, I was so young and I was just so it was just an explosion at DC. I mean, between Watchmen and you know Miller coming over and doing. Um, Ronin at first, which was several years before, and then you know Dark Knight and um, the Shadow that Bill Sankovitz and um, well, that was a little bit later actually. I think this you know eighty no that was started this is post was it eighty eight. Miller references Electra in his interview, so he does. Well, let me give you the ages of everybody. Miller was thirty. Fuck Miller. Fuck him and his fucking. Isn't that crazy? Um, Eisner was seventy. Jack Kirby was seventy. Harvey Kurtzman was 63. Kurtzman looked like he was 88. Yeah, he, looked- well, you know, he, he, yeah, he, you know, and that's why he kind of died not incredibly young, but, or, you know, you know, he certainly wasn't wow, that old. 63? Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. He looked like he was, um, yeah, on, on, on last legs in that documentary. I hear you. Um, you know what? Bernie looked so young, and I mean, he looked so good. Yeah, he looks he looks model. He's like John Cassidy pretty. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and and I think about him because it's like I got into him from the studio, from the book The Studio when Absolutely. I was very, very young. I bought that book when he and Barry Smith and Jeff Jones and Michael Kaluta. Kaluta, uh shared a studio. Um and it was like when I was young and I want I was gonna be an artist and go to art school, it was like, this is what I wanna do. I wanna be in a studio with like other artists and you know and and do fine art, you know, just like these guys are doing. Um, I got to, I got the chance to, and this is thanks to Russ Cochran, uh, when I was working for Comic Book Marketplace, when I was the art director for that, mm-hmm. he gave me Bernie Wrightson's phone number, and he said, go interview him, go talk to him. He's, he's waiting for you to call him. I got to interview and talk to Bernie Wrightson on the phone. And then I interviewed Will Eisner. It was like probably Eisner's last interview. He died like a week after I talked to him. Wow. Um, Whoa. So just the chance to talk to both of those guys, talk to them. Wow. Um, that was that was amazing. I do not have those those recordings anymore. I have the interviews, but I don't have those recordings anymore. Eisner came to the University of Chicago, which was is Chicago's like version of an Ivy League school. Uh, that's where they split the atom. That's where the Man- Manhattan Project was going on. Um, they had a humanities weekend, and they focused on comics. Neil Gaiman came to town from Wisconsin. He interviewed Eisner on stage. Scott McCloud was there. Art Spiegelman was there. So that's the first time. I, and this was 2000, like five years before I started War Balloon. But it was great because it was in this university atmosphere. They spoke on a big stage. There, there was you know uh, seats for a, like a large kind of auditorium classroom afterwards in the lobby they just hung out and you could talk to them and i brought two warren spirit issues with me for will to sign and the paper had oxidized and became peach colored which i found crazy and he's like oh i remember these and i go was that the paper he goes no it's because they're older i said oh okay couldn't have been sweeter eisner and um my bernie uh wrightson experiences uh luckily i went to college with tim bradstreet and Tim did work with oh, Bernie. That's cool. You know, and um and yeah, at San Diego Comic Con, he introduced me to Bernie. And and he was and man, Tim was great. Tim's great. He's a good friend. And and uh 
Bernie was great. And he's like, you know, uh, hey, Tim, Tim says I'm supposed to talk to you. I'm like, that would be great. And he goes, well, we'll do it sometime. And Tony Moore had his show in Cincinnati, Cincy Comic-Con, and Bernie was a featured guest. And uh, we were going to do a, an onstage you know, panel, and that's when Bernie got sick, and he had to cancel, and he never got well. So that's my great regret. But Bernie was a sweetheart of a guy uh, only, when I met him. Yeah. Oh, the only, yeah. the only guy I know there, I mean, Frank, Frank Miller and I are legit friends, um, but he's a much – He's a different person now, 30 years later than he was. Then. But you can kind of see underneath underneath who he is now that that's 30-year-old still there. Like that, that's, that nerve he's trying to do it. But it is interesting to see him like in his edgy phase as opposed to his like, you know, grand old man of comics. Phase. He's not even that old. He's like 60. But, um, but yeah, well, it is bizarre to see him. Well, I got in. Uh, the reason I got into the spirit was because of those Warren books. Absolutely, me too. You know, creepy and eerie, and um, and speaking of which, that Jim Warren biography um, is fantastic. Yeah. I read that one. That's really good. Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. Um, here, I want to hide the chat so I can, I can see Tom's face. Oh, Forget I can sit up. There you go. Ah, there you go. That's fine. Sorry, no my problem, it's my own laziness. There's no, a, no, I, now I head is so much bigger than yours. Now ah! you got a giant head and you're above us. <laughs> uh, above you're the great and powerful Oz. That's right why I was trying to sit back here. All right. Very good. Very okay. good. Can I give you my overall observation on that documentary? Yeah, I want to hear everything, everything uh, you guys think of the documentary. This is my, my comic book people are insane. We are. <laughs> <laughs> there was like two sane people on that. Well, like, Who are the two Wrights, insane people? Bernie Wrightson was pretty sane. He, was, he seemed chill. Jack Kirby was like half... Like eighty percent, and then you know, um, Mobius seemed because he was French, so he probably hid his craziness a little bit. But besides that, man, that was like one crazy interview after another, including Harlan as the narrator. Yeah, including Harlan. The Spiegelman was very Spiegelman because he was, but yeah, maybe Spiegelman, Spiegelman was thirty nine. By the way, while he was doing it, thirty nine. Oh. Isn't that awesome? And Dave Sim was thirty one. He's the Canadian, right? Sims yes. Service. Yeah, they, yeah, he is the they Canadian. Can have him. I'm good. They can have him. That's, <laughs> that's the one I want to give back. That's hilarious. Jeez. Neil was 46. Uh, did I leave anybody out for their ages? No. And then Bernie was, like I said, 39. How old was Ditko? Oh, Ditko. Did I look up Ditko? I did not. All right, I'm going to look up Ditko's age, and I'll tell you in a second. I mean, um, for me, it's like Neil was kind of Neil. In almost every totally. that I've seen, yeah, yeah, he's always the, the, and, and what Tom brought up about about Frank Miller was it. The, the, I love seeing the enthusiasm that he had. It was like it was like just coming through, but man, the Ditko thing. And I saw somebody on the commented there about like how they couldn't follow along. Who could follow along what he had to say? Dude, I was good. I followed. I've I you know, I mean, you know it's just fascinating to hear him speak. I mean, he has, this is his idea. This is his philosophy. And it's clear to him how clear he thinks about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I found fascinating. And I got, I bought out of, do you remember um, the monster times, John? Yes, I do. Absolutely. I used to get the monster times when I was a kid, which was like Rolling Stone. It was a bi-weekly yeah. bi-fold tabloid about horror and comics, horror movies and comic books. And I loved it because it had so much about comic books. My brothers, you know, had a subscription to Rolling Stone. I used to get Monster Times. It was like, I got it. <laughs> you have Rolling Stone. 
And um, I got in there, They I sent away, because I was fascinated with Ditko's Spider-Man. I loved his Spider-Man. And I sent away, and I got, I remember, the Neil Adams Index, which had interviews with Neil Adams in it, and a listing of all of Adams' stuff. And this is in the 70s. And Neil's interviews in that sound exactly the way he was talking in the uh, in the in the documentary. Exactly. Neil still sounds that way. He, yes. Yeah. Yes. That, is, that is Neil. Yeah. I mean, in, in, and in that, I remember in this interview, he was talking about when he was talking about Dead Man in that, and he was he was talking about his experimentation in Dead Man. In these interviews, these early interviews, he was talking about how like he went to Marvel and he went to Stanley, and I guess this is pretty well known that he said, "Give me the book that's selling the worst." You know, you took that's how he took on X Men. But I got that and I got Mr. A, that, which was on like newsprint in black and white because I, I had no clue what I was reading. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I'm no like 12 years old or 10 years old and I'm like, what is this? But it was the graphics in it were fascinating and the graphics that um, the guy, what's his name, the, doc, the director? Ken Viola. Yeah, that he picked were great. Yes, that imagery is just the line work <clears throat> and the black and white work that Dicko was doing. To me, it's obvious that he was influenced by Fillmore. He has absolutely Fillmore and also German expressionism in film. Sure, you know um, he says that Kirby admired Ditko for his storytelling, which is pretty amazing to hear. That you know, Kirby was was older than Ditko. Ditko, by the way, was sixty when uh, okay. the movie when when the documentary was made. Um, no, I, I uh, you know, the Doctor Strange origin is so clear and perfect, and it's only eleven pages long. Uh, and it, and I mean, it's a classic Ditko example of like how good he was. And there's a lot of noir in there, especially before uh, Stephen Strange meets the Ancient One. And yeah. when you see him kind of skid row and everything, I mean, it's. It's very noir. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, no, I'm a massive, I'm a massive Ditko fan as well. And I, cause again, the, the image of uh, Ditko as Salinger has really, you know, gone through the decades. And this is why it's great to talk to people like Ken who made this movie back in 87, because I think if all you're basing it on is reputation and even that BBC thing that Jonathan uh, Ross made in search of Steve Ditko, He's presented as this ooh, very enigmatic man who doesn't, you know, like to be seen. And it's like, no, it's just he doesn't like publicity. He he is against the the culture of fame that even even back in the '60s was against it. And that's why he's not on that Mary Marvi, uh, marching Marvel Society. He just uh, jumped out the window, John. Did you hear right. fans? Oh, we just missed him. <laughs> so it's fascinating, but really, and it's something that Ken points out in the interview, and he's right about Kirby and Ditko and even John Romita that in that Marvel style, the artists really wrote those stories and Stan, I mean, Stan, they would discuss the plot and Stan would, you know, discuss it with them right. and he would dialogue it after the fact, but really the, he, you know, uh, some, I mean, I know Romita senior would sometimes be like, Hey, how about a new doc Ox? Or, yeah, go with that. And it's I'll like, okay, great. He would flush it out. About, and then Stan would talk to Storenko about, about the whole captain America thing, because I mean, I've talked to Jim, a lot about that. I mean, I interviewed him for that Marvel, that Marvel uh, magazine, and um, and talked to him about it. It was like he, 
Jim said, I wrote those the script for the most part for that for those Captain America, those three Captain America stories. You know, um, he is the one person that should have been included. And in, uh, I've got a story about that, and Ken talks about it in oh, the uh, uh, conversation. Great. I want to hear that. He okay, did approach. He is he is obviously missing. You talk about masters of comic book art. He talked about that too. He talked Ken out of putting him in the documentary because he felt, and again, this is 1987, Storanko, that his contribution to comics was so small compared to the rest of his graphic career that he's like, you know, it's it's a blip. I, I really, you know, these other guys that you're talking to are really, you know, storytellers that have this large body of work. And Ken kind of, you know, kind of went with them and said, okay. That's interesting. I found I that incredibly interesting. No, he's got a rivalry with 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 Neil Adams. Absolutely. Well, and they hand in hand, they were the two innovators of that period. And you're right. I I feel the same way. It's like, and I and I kind of am like, really, Ken, because you know, I mean, God, think of all the the mixed media that that Storenko put in a lot of his comics and just the ideas and his panels and the various things. I always love that inside joke that Neil had. And I forget what comic it was where there's a panel Dead that man. the Dead Man. It's from Strange Adventures. It's it's Dead Man. It's a hey, a Jim Storenko effect. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta hold it. You hold it to the side, and you can really see, you can really see it. Absolutely, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, it was a friendly friendly rivalry, but you know, um, the last time I saw Jim over in um, in Sh- at the Charlotte Con a couple of years ago. Um, the he didn't go to Baltimore. He was at Baltimore. I hung out with the Baltimore this year. Huh? I hung out I with the Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, the rivalry is still pretty strong, though. They were on stage together a few years ago at New York Con. I know that. And I finally, because I, I mean, Jim, Jim, more so than Stanley ever was in his life, the one man I wanted to get on on with Word Balloon was Jim. And finally, um, I got to moderate his panel at Terrificon last you year. Me, you told me about that the last time we spoke. Yeah, he was great. He was, he was exactly what I wanted, and had been teasing me literally for fourteen years of trying to get him on. And he, and really, when I got back to, I saw him the next day, and I'm like, finally. And he's laughing, and you know, and he's, and he goes, I hope it was good. I'm like, of course it was good. It's exactly what I wanted you to do. Well, that was like beautiful. Eddie, he's like Eddie's hero. And I, I love him too. I mean, I've, I've known him for a long time, but um, I used to get calls from him at like three in the morning. It was really strange. Watching boxing matches with him on the phone as we were watching the fight together. But, That's fantastic. But the story, um, but the story but, straight, wait, go, go ahead. Mike. I was like, well, I was just going to say that we, Eddie, and I had planned an idea of like a night of Storenko for North City in San Francisco. Oh, that'd be cool. And we were going to show his movie that he did. Um, let him pick the movies, and then have like a uh, like a audio visual thing with his panels and, and stuff that he picked out, and um, and then show his movie that was based on At the Stroke of Midnight that was done um, at the American Film Institute. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, that's I haven't seen that. It's on. It's on. It's on YouTube. It's called um, Shadow House. And he directed it. He did not. He did. The, he was a production designer for it. Another guy directed it. But Jim, the, the, it looks like the comic book come to life. Wow! It's a short movie, um, and the guy who plays the lead is um, John. Help me with this. Um, 
from the odd couple. Um, he's the one who's going to go to Miami beach Vinny? with his wife. Yes. He is the lead. He played the lead. And oh my God. By Storenko to play the lead. That's who I, Storenko wanted to play the lead. I can't remember his name, but he also played Bernie Tupperman, the urologist on the original Bob Newhart show. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that guy. No, he's terrific. He's a great Vinny. John Fiedler, of course, in the John movie. Fie- that's John Fiedler. It's John Fiedler. Oh, it's John Fiedler. John Fiedler. I see. John oh, it's Fiedler. from the movie rather than yes. the TV show. Yes, John Fiedler. He was, all right, John Fiedler, also uh, Jack the Ripper in that great Star Trek original oh, series episode. That's Star Trek episode. Where they think Scotty killed uh, the woman on Argelius and everything. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. Cool. That's a great episode. I love that one. Wolf in the Fold, I believe, Wolf is the title the of that one. Great, great. Uh, Wayne, I am well aware of Prisoners of Gravity, a great Canadian television show that featured incredible interviews with comic book creators. I completely agree with you. I've been so. interviewed by that guy who did the interviews. No kidding. Yeah. In Canada when I did is uh, he Is he still doing it anywhere? As far as like video or like what was the format for your interview? Uh, some sort of podcast ish thing. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What's his name? Do you remember the name of his podcast? Oh, I can't remember. No, I'm sorry. Oh, man. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm going to, I'll, I'll say, Wayne, if you know, please uh, chime that in. Oh, he was but like, I, he was like, oh, I've interviewed Kurt. I was like, You're like oh, you know, you know he interviewed why? everybody. And he's well, like, he's, oh, and then he showed so, me the news. I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Wayne is mentioning Jim's classes that he's doing at conventions now. Jim is doing these kind of classes that you can sign up where he's teaching, you know. Oh, I want to go to a convention. Guys, let's get rid of this virus. You know, like, you know, teaching comic book art and how to do comic book art and storytelling and stuff. I'm I'm hoping that uh, Jim documents a lot of his stories on film or or whatever before, you know, it's too late. He's writing his autobiography. I already wrote the chapter about him as an escape artist, but <laughs> it'll never see the light of day. I don't. I'm not convinced it will. He'll he'll be pissed at me. You don't want Jim Steranko pissed at you. I've had him pissed at me a couple of times. Oh, I'm aware. I mean, I'm aware of like his his temper. There's some classic behind the scenes stories that oh, I won't tell I out of school. About, you and I talk about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's Jim's. Hey, man, Jim and Neil. They they are they are their own biggest fans, but I, I always say, uh, and actually this is an unfair comparison because I think Muhammad Ali was nicer, but uh, they can back it up much like Ali could. You know, I mean that's the thing. It's like, uh, yeah. yeah, like you know, believe me, these are the two greats. They look, know it, but look, they deserve look. the accolades. They were the best. Oh no, was- ne- Neil deserves everything that's coming to him because he he's. He was the first person who stood up to the big companies and said comic book creators deserve something. He did. And that's he a, did. That's he, a he, moment of justice for our industry. The ACBA, which was the, the union that he began in the 70s that kind of like unfortunately lost steam. That was that was all Neil. Yeah. And he was also the person who got – he was Siegel and Schuster in getting Siegel and Schuster their rights back. That's right. That's um, absolutely I right. I even talked to Neil in, in my interview – that interview that I did with him, although it's in Batcave Companion, the entire interview is in Comic Book Marketplace, and it's not all of it is not included in the Batcave Companion. And I spoke to him in detail about Bill Finger and about Ooh. what was going on. This is 2003 when I was talking to him, and this was before Bill Finger was kind of got his you know his due, I guess. Um, and he had some strong opinions. If you can pick up. That issue, that issue of Congress Marketplace. um, We didn't talk about Bill Finger in my first conversation with him back in 2005, but we had a nice two-hour chat. 
And uh, we did talk about Siegel and Schuster. Uh, we did talk about, you know, Superman versus Ali. Um, you know, him if, from a visual standpoint, you know, getting Batman back to his roots. We had a lot of great talks. And um, I'm, I'm a little, I'll be honest, I'm a little disappointed that um, I think after doing Fat Man on Batman, um, Neil only, uh, you know, now he's on the right side of the velvet ropes and it's kind of tough to get a hold of him. And it kind of bums me out because I would love to talk to him more. Lately on his website, and I'm happy to promote it. Um, he did those Ben Casey comic strips before he got into comic books, mm-hmm. and he's selling uh, complete stories, uh, PDFs of the original Ben Casey comic strips for like five bucks a story, and they're a great buy. And I mean, man, if you love great draftsmanship, uh, those Ben Casey things are incredible. They're fantastic looking. Yeah, you know what I love in the Ben Casey was, if you guys are familiar with the Strange Adventures, the Dead Man, if you guys are familiar with his Dead Man stories. Oh, yeah. Strange Adventures, that great thing where, you know, and Neil was talking in the documentary about experimentation. Excuse me. And um, he did that great page where the panels formed Dead Man's head. Um, he did that first in Ben Casey. Oh, that's amazing. That's he great did that to hear. first in Ben Casey on a Sunday strip when they when Sundays had the multiple strips, you know, instead of like the, the, the dailies had the, the single strip. But yeah, the, four but panels. The, but the Sundays, of course, had the multiple tiers. And he did that with a Ben Casey face where, like, the panels, outside the panels, they would form the entire face of Ben Casey. Oh, my God. Mark, I would love to get a hold of uh, Rick Green, the host of uh, Prisoners of Gravity. I would love to talk to him about his show. So uh, please, uh, yeah, send me that that email. That would be great. And, yeah, I, uh, uh, Rick Green is uh, the name. Thank you, Wayne, very much. Thank and, you. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yes, of course, Neil heavily influenced by Stan Drake. Yes, indeed. Of course, and Neil on YouTube does a a reading of one of my comic books. He does a reading of my Batman Fudd in Elmer Fudd's voice. Does he really? You can find it on YouTube. That's outstanding. I haven't I I haven't watched his videos yet. Okay, I I just want to say about that Elmer Fudd, the Batman. One of the, in my opinion, one of the five greatest noir comics ever. And I and, and and Eddie and I picked before before tom was moved over to dc before tom was i even knew who tom was we had picked like the 10 greatest noir comics and the noir comic issue noir city comic issue but my pick would have been tom's elmer fudd and batman as one of the greatest noir comics ever if if anybody who's watching this hasn't as does not have that or hasn't read that they need to do that 100%. 100%. And I'm still... auctioning off the script on uh, Twitter, if you want. I've never auctioned off a script before, but I printed it out for the first time, and you can go it, it, to benefit comic book stores. I'm auctioning off the script for that book. On, uh, on, hashtag creators for comics? Creators for comics, or just you just go down my Twitter feed, at TomKingTK, and it's there. Is um, uh, Mike, is uh, that Noir City issue still available? Oh, yeah. That's awesome, man. No, I, yeah. I hope people I'll send it to and, you. And tell people. Yeah, well, also, oh, that's really nice. Thank you, man. I, I was going to say, I'm happy to pick it up, but uh, also, well, yeah, let- you know what? Anybody who is interested in any of the back issues for North City, and I'm going to brag about North City a little bit. It's Martin great. I, I read it religiously. It's great. Martin Scorsese says he has every issue. He bought every. He had his his like his his like assistant. This was like a year ago. Buy every single issue. <laughs> he gets all the annuals also. But Norse Nor City 
let's see, it's norcitymag.com. Okay. It is the website to purchase all of the back issues. And it's it's up to date. I I do that uh, website, so it's up to date. It's got all the all the issues. They're five ninety nine each, um, and they're really great. It's it's got some great stuff, and <clears throat> we've had a lot of great guests do um, the five favorite noirs that Tom's going to be doing in the next issue. Uh, Ed, Ed Brubaker did it. Um, Dan Clois, Dan Clois, his five favorites. He said, "Look, I'm I could pick." You know, Sunset Boulevard, and I could pick um, all these great movies, Double Indemnity. He said, I'm going out in left field. And he picked, like, two Dragnet episodes. Um, uh, <laughs> what is that bizarre show? My Fiance, One Week Fiance or something like I that. I that show. Crazy shows. He picked that. that. Is that a Dragnet episode or is that a separate No, show? no. It's a television show now that's going on. It's this bizarre um, real world crazy TV show and he picked an episode of that and he picked this really insane 1950s movie like Party Girl I think is what it's called oh I know that movie didn't yeah. Eddie have that on uh, TCM <laughs> he may have I loved that movie that was an amazing that's so a Kim Novak movie he, he no, went, was it Kim Novak he went in, in like this crazy kind of direction where he decided like well you know what I could easily pick you know five fantastic ones but I'm going to do something a little different um, oh crap! I was going to pick five fantastic noirs. Fine, clouds think you're so good. I'm looking at oh Sid Charisse, excuse me, Party Girl. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing it on Eddie's show. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, with Nichols. Um, what's his name? Um, Nicholas Ray. Nicholas Ray. Yeah. Yep. Robert Taylor, Sid Charisse, Lee J. Cobb. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, of course, it's on Amazon Prime, but it's, it's, an, it's to a, rent it's a, or buy. It's a color noir musical. Yep. Absolutely, man. And God, Sid Charisse, holy cow. Oof. Tell oh, no, no, I'm not getting sleepy, John. Don't worry. I'm not even going to put your – or Roger, excuse me. Well, not... I, 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 I've got my iPad plug plugged in, and I'm at 17%. All right, all right. I don't want – all right, we can wrap up. But I, uh, I, one thing I want to say about the documentary, I hear what you're saying, <laughs> guys, in terms of that only two of them were saying. I really think for being basically around 10-minute uh, interviews with each of them, it really captures the essence of all. Absolutely, of incredibly revealing. Yeah. Each each ten minute yeah. segment was like to the heart of that character. Like I think the Jack Kirby was almost like ten minutes of perfection. I think you got exactly when he said, "My greatest inspiration was," and he paused and he goes, "Sales." <laughs> I la- I literally laughed. I was like, "Yeah, like Jack Kirby had huge ideas and huge questions, but he wanted to feed his family. Like that's what made him great." Was that he had both of those sides to him, you know? And isn't that the attitude of all of the greats from the past? I mean, you talk about guys like Carmine Infantino, um, Irv Novick, you know, <laughs> yes. who's like a pros pro, Jim Aparo, um, you know, John Romita. I mean, all these guys. I, one of my good friends in college, his next door neighbor was John Bussin. Fantastic. And, and he was best friends oh, with Bussema's best son. Marvel artist of all time. John. And Bussema. He was used to like Busema being up in the like Busema had an attic that was his workspace, and you know they knew they had to be quiet when they were you know around you know Busema's you know attic space where he was working, but he was up there working. I mean, it was. I don't know if people really recognize and understand that these guys were working working guys. You know, when I watch Mad Men, you know, I know people think about. Um, 
and logically so, you know, they think about the advertising industry. But when I watch it, it's a great show. I think a lot about comic book artists, specifically DC, and how because oh. it was so corporate. Yes. And, and the artists that were in there, I wish they had shown more and Mad Men about the guys who were the designers and the illustrators. Yeah, the art people. Artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, it made me think a lot about that time period. I think a great series would be about those guys, specifically in the 60s, maybe early 70s. Um, you could even just do the 60s and then it would transition to the 70s when the fans started becoming the creators because those guys were not necessarily comic book fans. Those guys were professionals. Those guys were commercial artists. Exactly. A living and they just happened to be incredibly creative and incredibly inventive. Um, and, but they were still working class guys. They were grinding it out. You know, Mike, I make this point all the time. And I've, uh, I think I've told Tom off the air about the specific podcast that I get really angry at because uh, they, they treat, the golden and silver age people like I, I said this to Howard chicken and he was laughing. I am like, it's like they were the Keebler elves in the tree making cookies. And it's like, no, these were guys that had a deadline and yet made it brilliant art. But don't forget they were doing it for the paycheck. And I don't mean that any, like that they didn't like what they were doing and they didn't appreciate, you know, that they were trying, that they weren't trying their best, but it was like these, like you just said, they were working class guys don't forget that because that's an important part of the equation. And when you deify these people, you're not telling the whole story. And I would say that what you're describing, I'm hoping, you know, Howard Chicken's in the midst of his Hey Kids Comics uh, run. And we discussed this. And I guess, you know, the next volume will be coming, obviously, post-virus. Um, and he's banking issues in the meantime. And he's, and he's cranking them out. But it is covering that period. And I hope, I mean, it's starting with the corporate guys of the of the 40s and 50s but then it goes to the 2000s and i'm hoping we're going to see that period kind of like at the end of, of Mad Men, when you know the the younger hippie guys suddenly come in and are working yeah, with, right. the, which, with the which which i would love to see something like that covered um because that's kind of when i entered in sure uh, me too and, you know it was you know mm -hmm. i remember specifically barry smith 1970 you know Conan, I mean, here's Barry Smith, who was like a Kirby copycat, and to watch him one after another unfold, elevate and, and evolve, this, yeah, something completely different. He became this great, unique artist that we'd never seen before. Um, you know, and, and Jim is this was the same way. I think that the the only thing that was different was EC and the kind of creative attitude that. Um, Feldstein and Gaines brought to the office during the EC comics. They paid well, they treated their artists well, um, and they tailored the stories to the styles of the artists. Um, in a lot of ways, I think of that what Tom does, and I don't know if this is how Tom does it, but I have always been amazed at the art that that came out in his entire run I t and I've told him this before it's like so consistently great but the artists always fit the story that he was doing um, you know uh, Jorge did these stories for him that were very noirish and Jorge has that really great noir style and those fit and then uh, 
Michael Janine. Is that how you pronounce his name, right? Janine. That the stories that you did for that fit him so well. Finch also, um, all of it. And this is great. It's the best podcast ever, John. Thanks for having me on. They're very, I think I've, I've thought of that because I told Tom specifically, I said, amazingly consistent how all of this worked and it worked within the story. So I always wondered, similar to what Gaines and Feldstein did, because Gaines and Feldstein wrote those stories. Gaines had the ideas. He would give the ideas to Feldstein, and Feldstein would write the script. And yeah. Feldstein would write the script thinking, this is going to be for Graham Ingalls. This is going to be for Wally Wood. This is going to be Craig. for Al Williamson. Yeah. This is going to be for Jack Davis. Yeah. Tom, did you, is that something you thought about? You're writing the script, and it's like, this is this is who I want so-and-so on this one. I want so-and-so on this one. And you know, a lot of your issues are split, too, where you know one artist is doing part of it, another artist is doing another part of it. I, I, oh, I mean, the first run very nice, but yeah, I, uh, one of the revelations of this video is when Miller talks about like he thinks the greatest art in comics are created by writer artists, and uh, but he's evolving into thinking differently because he had right. just worked with Sinkevich and he had just worked with, um, Mazzucchelli, yeah, yeah, and uh. And for me, that was like, it's a blow. It was almost like a body blow hearing that because I don't 100% disagree with him in terms of to make the art go to that next level. Sometimes it, it, it is a one guy thing. It's, it's a Charles Schultz. It's a um, uh, Frank Miller. And, and as someone who has only half of the brain <laughs> to get it done, uh, you're just, I feel like I'm uh, a, you know, a one-eyed man, uh, in, in, or a blind man, and see a one-eyed man. So, uh, but, but yeah, so you have to. I think the only way to adjust to that is to let the art lead, and to realize that it's a visual medium and not a, not but a. But are you think? Medium. Were you thinking as you're right when you're writing this script and you're working on it? It's like this is who I want to do this. It's almost the opposite. It's 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 who is available. Okay, I adjust the story to it. It's okay. it's not. It's it's. Do you have the? It's, it's, it's the other same, other side of the circle, but it's just the, yeah. I mean, the Do idea you, is the, the, here's here's your artist. Like I, I was just on the phone with someone who was offering me a gig, and um, I was like, well, who's the artist? If we don't have an artist, I was like, well, then I don't know what the pitch is. I, I can't come with the pitch, the gig. If you don't tell me the artist is, you're going to do a, a different story for you know Clay Mann than you are for Mitch Garrett's. So so it, does that even go to character as well, Tom? In terms of you know, okay, now I've got the artist. I mean, you know, do you have a character in mind already and possibly to springboard into how do you see yourself handling Mr. Miracle? How do you see yourself handling, um, you know, the vision or, or whatever, whatever they've been? Or, or again, is it through the conversation that it's like, oh, you want to do that kind of story? Well, what if we did that with the vision or with Batman or whatever? I mean, it's always different, but I, I think just in the way I like to do it, I'd, I'd rather have the character and the artist and then come up with the idea. I'd like to have them in that order or in, I mean, I've done the reverse where it's been the artist and the character, but I think it, it just, in terms of picturing, like with the vision, I, I, uh, I remember they gave me the, I was they had no power at all. Right. So they're like, here's the character, here's the genre, here's the artist you're working with. Good luck. And I looked up Gabriel's work. I'd never seen him before. And he was doing a Magneto book at the time. 
And I remember like the action scenes were fine. And I'm sure, I'm sure Gabriel will tell you this. I mean, they were, but they, they, they weren't, um, they weren't like Neil. They, they were just, and then I saw the quiet moments. They were brilliant. Like he was, he was this fucking European artist. He was Mobius. You know, that's what he did was this cross hatching quiet stuff. So I was like, well, we're doing a cross hatching quiet book with this guy. Uh, or so you get David Finch in or you get Tony Daniel, you get somebody like that. Who's like, First of all, that guy's got to sell pages. So if you don't give him stuff to sell pages, he's not going to draw the best book. Uh, and if, if you're doing 16, uh, like Dave Sims, six, no offense to Dave Sims and his talking heads theory, but if you give Dave, uh, Dave Finch 16 talking heads pages, you've just wasted the time of your audience. The time. <laughs> right. And, and, and two back, months of his life, he's going to hate you and not draw the next and, issue. And going back to the way things used to be, the artists didn't get their pages back. So that was right. never that never even entered the equation of like, well, I, you know, no. I'll be able to sell right. these pages. I mean, it was still about the storytelling. All it was about was the storytelling, and you know, getting my money for you know, the pages that I did, and and getting it out on time. I mean, there's dozens. Of and the writer stories. would. And there and there and there's and there's a there's dozens of stories about guys who couldn't meet their deadline. I mean. I have stuff about about Marshall not being able to make his deadlines, you know, um, you know, that 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 Terry was telling me about, you know, it's like Terry does not get the credit he deserves on those detective stories because he told me that Marshall was in a bad way and a lot of that. And he, you know, he was doing a lot of drugs. He was he was having a lot of problems and he couldn't meet the deadlines. And Terry said, I'm getting less and less from him and I'm filling in more and more. Wow. A lot of that stuff is him. And in the end, you know, when he asked for a raise from D.C., they fired him. They <laughs> fired him. And those Clayface issues were done by Dick Giordano because wow. D.C. would not give him more money, even though he was doing more work. Jeez. Is Terry still around? Yeah. You're going to have he's to put not, me in touch with Terry. He's not working. He's not working like so I, many other. Like, I don't know if he'd be willing to talk, but I would love to talk to him, obviously. Again, we'll we'll talk out of, off the air and everything. I won't I won't uh, I won't I'm, obligate you on the air. After watching this documentary, I let it run and watch the beginning of the Daredevil documentary, which they did for the movie, which they did all the Daredevil creators. Yep, I've seen that. Oh, it's it's, it's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. It's pretty oh, interesting. I'll look for that. It's great. Gene Colan's on there. Um, yeah. Renata Seniors on there. Brian yeah. is on there. Uh, yeah, it goes from it goes from. Yeah, from Stan Lee to to Bendis, basically all the guys, and Colin was on there, and I'd heard him talk to you, so I'd heard this story before. But it was just seeing it in person, where he's like, uh, "Yeah, you know, I had to make my deadline, so I gave up my life. I just didn't see my children, and I didn't see my wife, and I'm trying to make up for it now." But and he just says it straight to the camera. He's like, "I just rather draw than than do anything else," and so that's what I did for 20 hours a day for 30 years. And it just heartbreaks you. It's just heartbreaking. It's like well, just... and, and guys like, you know, I know Vinnie Coletta has like this horrible reputation, you know, but. I just bought a Vinnie Coletta Kirby page. Well. Wow. Thor, was it Vinnie Coletta Thor page? Like by a Thor page? No, no. It was a romance page. Those, those Thor, <laughs> those Thor That's cool. things that, those Thor Kirby, those Kirby Coletta Thor page stuff is great. Um, I love Coletta's inking on on that but Vinnie Coletta was the one guy when, when DC wanted to fire Rogers in Austin because um Joe Orlando hated their work he couldn't wow. stand them and he wow. wanted to fire and Vinnie Coletta who was the art director at the time this is in Batgate Companion 
Um, uh, really? Vinnie Coletta hated was Terry Austin. Terry was brilliant inks. Too heavy? I don't. Why would you? Why well, would you hate Paul Galassi hate, hated Terry Austin, and I think Terry Austin was the best inker for for Paul. I told Paul to his face. And I said Terry. He said too many pens, too many pens, <laughs> too many pens, too much pen work. He didn't like the pen work, but I think Terry. My, Terry's my favorite inker, and um, Tom Palmer's my favorite. Tom Palmer was great too, uh, sure. but ter Terry. I just love Terry's work. I loved his work on Byrne. I loved his work on on Marshall, and I loved his work on Miller too. You know, Class Jansen is the greatest on Miller, but I loved Terry's work on Miller. So finish the um, Coletta thing. Yeah. So Vinnie Coletta was the art director for DC. He's the one who came to the rescue of um, Rogers and Austin. They were in an office. They had been berated by Orlando and they were sent out of the office and they were in a waiting room outside and Coletta was in there screen. He and Orlando got into a screaming match and basically Coletta saved them and kept them huh. on so that they could stay on. And Vinnie Coletta um, ended up inking a lot of Marshall's work on Mr. Miracle that he did with Steve Englehart. Oh, wow. Um, because Marshall couldn't finish. He couldn't get the deadline done. Which and is beautiful Marshall, work. I just came out. Marshall had no problem with Vinnie doing the inks. That's what, that's what Marshall told me. He said, because he said, he saved my ass. I couldn't make the deadline. And Vinnie came in and like inked and finished the story overnight and finished it. And got it done and saved my ass. I'm I'm glad to hear that because in Wayne, I appreciate your comment that Colette is known for erasing Kirby pencils on pages. Uh, that's a familiar story, and it's absolutely true. But I also think that uh, Coletta did a lot of good work as well as erase a lot of good work, and I don't think gets enough credit he for his own I mean, skill. I'm not, I'm not saying Vinnie Coletta was a great anchor. I'm not saying that at all. But Vinnie Coletta was like this this guy who came in this like renegade. You know, so you know, soldier the for a fortune hire. You know that would come in and save a deadline because the yes. book wasn't going to come out on time. Right, now, and that's and again, it's deadline art. And yeah, it is a crying shame that to make the deadline, he would do that erasing and stuff. But he he would get the job done. And also, I'll tell you, man, when he drew Wonder Woman, he drew he knew how to draw romance. And I would say Wonder Woman was drawn in the style of good romance books when he was doing it in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And again, it's it, it's part of the story that always gets left out. And by the way, that same podcast that puts everybody on a, ped on a, pe a, a, a pedestal or whatever the hell it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so angry I can't even enunciate. But uh, really, it's again, oh, Vinnie Coletta. And it's like, hey, there's a second half of the story that you're not telling. And it kind of pisses me off that you guys who claim to be such – Lovers of comic book art and then such experts. It's like, yeah. oh, you're missing uh, half the story. Yeah, it, I, that bothers me. I'm at 10% right now. Go. All right. Well, let's wrap up. I'm Gentlemen, this was outstanding. It, it, I appreciated every tangent from oh, Buzzer to, to Twilight Zone and everything else but Columbo and this great comic book documentary that we were discussing. Masters of Comic Book Art, if you haven't seen it, uh, please check it out. It's on YouTube. And, it, you know, Ken is great about that. He, Because I'm like, does that suck that, you know, you're not making money off this? He said, no. He goes, I want people to see my movie. Yeah. And, again, listen to the Word Balloon episode with Ken, and you'll understand that, you know, yeah, it's a great story about how it was made 
how it was distributed, how we got everybody on the uh, on the documentary. So I absolutely recommend I that and watch more Columbo again. Not yeah. only on uh, some of the outlets uh, that we've mentioned in DVD, but I've seen the YouTube episodes of Columbo that are up as well. Columbo, donate to the Fillmore Foundation. Help the Fillmore Foundation. I had to cancel all our festivals, or you know, and you know, keep you know, help us out. You know, donate twenty bucks to the Fillmore FillmoreFoundation.org. And you'll get a subscription to North City Magazine, and you know, you'll really be helping out, um, you know, North Alley and everything. I mean, it, it, it would be a big help because um, times are tough. I agree. And Tom, again, repeat because I really think it's a great cause that all the creators are doing to help the comic shops out with these auctions that they're creating uh, to to help out. Oh uh, yes, if you if you if you go, I'm I'm doing I am auctioning off 13 signed hardcovers, and a sketch by me, which will be terrible, and a script, and it's yeah Tom King TK. It's on Twitter. You just go and you just reply to the to the, to the uh, tweet and, um, and place your bid and place your bid. Yeah, but that's uh, excellent. My endorsement would be again to subscribe to, to subscribe to this podcast. Press the subscribe button right now. It doesn't hurt your phone to have too many. If you're afraid, just ignore it but it's a wonderful podcast and and pitching a dollar to four to john for this thing yes it's worth a comic it's worth a it's a cup don't strange adventures you don't have to buy it it's it's good it, it, it'll be fine it's i've got 12 issues guaranteed throw that money keep, towards keep john. this keep this shit going okay you know yes. you, you help john keep this going well mike i'd say the same thing about noir city and ringside c they're they're both incredible publications tell us the monster uh, book again uh Monsters from the Vault, but that's 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 kind of dead. So oh, okay, all right, that's old. That's old. That's old news. That's then old. we'll stick with Noir City, and we'll stick with Ringside City. City. Um, back issue tomorrow's help out tomorrow's. Um, Absolutely, all yes. Stuff tomorrow's.com. All the stuff is available there. Um, it's a good cause. It's it's magazines like to the that tomorrow's puts out and the books that they put out like the Batcave Companion and uh, the old magazines like Comics Journal and, and Amazing Heroes and. Uh, comic uh, buyers marketplace and everything. That's that was the inspiration for Word Balloon. That's exactly the why I wanted to do this kind of podcast. And again, uh, your guys' contributions when you guys come on are always helpful, including tonight. So with uh, with Mike's uh, iPad uh, just uh, dying and then hanging by a thread right now, we will wrap things up. Thank you all for participating in the chat. Thank you for the multi language uh, things. I don't know what people were saying. I, I hope there. I'm, I hoping some people got some dirty things up there and other <laughs> other comments. But uh, great conversation, gentlemen. I always appreciate it. And thank you for watching. Uh, this will be up on uh, on the Word Balloon podcast sometime on Friday. So uh, if you want to hear yourselves again, get your uh, chats uh, mentioned and stuff. That's where you can hear it. But thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks. See you guys. All right, we are on. There you go. If you're a big old-time Hollywood fan, especially of noir, Noir City is so up your alley, and I hope you'll you'll make a donation to them and get the magazine. It is so worth it. Uh, Ringside Seat, if you're a boxing fan, all these great publications of Mike's. Of course, uh, Tom has so many great uh, collected volumes of Batman and uh, Omega Men, and of course, uh, The Vision and uh, Mr. Miracle. Make sure you pick up some of Tom's books and stuff uh, and support these guys because they're great and they're helping me out 
providing great content like they did tonight. I hope you enjoyed uh, today's conversation. Another uh, great episode of Word Balloon is dropping today. Patrick Schumacher, the showrunner of Harley Quinn, the animated series on DC Universe, will be talking about the show. Uh, We talked uh, right after episode two dropped. Episode three drops today. And uh, it's hilarious. It's a great show. It's worth your time. It's at iTunes and Amazon season one to purchase episodes or the full season. I'm not kidding, man. A great way to distract yourself. Hey, take a chance. Maybe buy one episode. I bet you're going to like it. Uh, Very, very funny stuff. So that's coming later today. And then uh, into next week, I can tell you right now, I had great conversations to close out the week with Paul Dini and Alan Burnett. Of course, uh, two of the masterminds behind Batman the Animated Series. They are back doing a digital first DC comic back in the animated series universe of Batman uh, featuring uh, first uh, story was fantastic. It was Batman and Luther. Uh, wonderful story. Uh, we're getting teases that Deathstroke is coming and some other surprises as well revealed in the interviews. If you uh, already read them, you might already be aware of uh, the teases that they were doing and saying, hey, is that is that so-and-so? Is he going to be in the comic? Wow, he's never been on Batman the Animated Series before. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Fun stuff with uh, Alan Burnett and Paul Dini next week on Word Balloon. Thanks again for listening today. It was my pleasure to uh, bring you this, this episode, all brought to you by my friends, my sponsors, the League of Word Balloon listeners, who help pay for this program with their subscriptions to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Word Balloon is the place to go. If you can uh, subscribe to Word Balloon, uh, that's great. Again, I don't want you to spend money that you don't have, again, especially in these tough times. But I really appreciate the support, League of Word Balloon listeners. And I also appreciate the support of Aftershock Comics, who are standing by me during this tough time. They're on pause, Word Balloon isn't, and I'm happy to remind people that this is a great time to pick up an Aftershock graphic novel or collected trade. Uh, Get into it, because they've got great content waiting for you. Aftershockcomics.com, that's where you can find uh, the preview art pages and full story descriptions of some of your favorite writers and artists that that are doing great work for Aftershock Comics. Thanks again for listening today. More great stuff coming uh, throughout the month of April. Uh, We're not slowing down. I mean, uh, you know, I'm glad that Tom noticed. Uh, We're putting out a lot of episodes. If you normally, as I said earlier in the show, uh, only look at the first couple episodes on your podcast feed, make sure you scroll down. Because, uh, really, I've been putting out a lot of episodes and a lot of great conversations. Uh, some of my old favorites are back, like Howard Chaikin, Tim Seeley, uh, Joe Casey came back earlier this month. Uh, so many great conversations. Also, my buddy Julianne Emery, I will remind people again, is on Amazon Prime. Uh, starting tonight, the full season of Bosch Season 6 has dropped today on Amazon. Totally worth it. Unbelievable stuff. I'm always a big fan of Bosch. I'm a big fan of Julie's. Better Call Saul, Preacher, Fargo, Catch-22 with George Clooney. Uh, She's kicking ass whether it's on uh, cable or on streaming. And we had a wonderful discussion about her career. It's a YouTube video and a Word Balloon podcast from last week. I urge you to scroll down and listen to those conversations as well. Uh, More great TV talk and animation talk and uh, comics in the days and weeks ahead right here on Word Balloon. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2020.